We're not putting Yeti on our logo, <laughs> Travis. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me is my co-host, my co-host, as we said last week, Michael. You're not going to let that go, are you? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I am going to continue to let you be the co-host with the mo-host. that uh, joke is going to be run into the ground just like our love for Yeti. So, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, but we don't just have the two of us, Michael. We also have a very special guest, Kyle Minnick from the Tokyo Lives podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I am Kyle. I'm from Tokyo Lives, the Giant Monsters podcast. Uh, we've been doing this shtick for a very long time now. I think we're uh, coming up on. Four years with the new cast, almost five with uh, me and Coleman back in the day. Uh, so we've been around for a while. Uh, it's great to join you guys uh, to talk about uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, there's a lot to talk about with this movie. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you are pretty much the original host, uh, or the only original host of Tokyo Lives, because uh, it seems like you know everybody else was added after the fact. Yeah, so me me and Coleman uh, started the podcast uh, way back, I think it was 2014 or 2015, I cannot remember. It was whenever uh, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane was about to come out, because uh, we were hoping it was going to be a monster movie, and it turned out not to be one. Um, but uh, yeah, so me and Coleman started it, and then Coleman, unfortunately, he, he got busy, so he had to leave. And so I was like, I'm not going to let this podcast die. So I just went out and got uh, my, my current co-hosts of Rob... New Cameron Hikalia and Marissa Pickett, uh, who is happens to also be my wife. Uh, but um, <laughs> so, and then we started anew. We kind of re re reinvigorated the cast. We like came up with a new format. We kind of basically started from scratch. Um, and yeah, so we've been just kind of hanging around the airwaves. We're on episode eighty nine. I think was the most recent episode we released, um, and that's of the numbered episodes. But that's complicated. And you can yeah, right. cover <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. I was going to say, you guys cover pretty much everything and anything. You guys seem to have no limits whatsoever when it comes to your show. Yeah, definitely. We So we we established this a while ago uh, when I got the new host. We were like, you know, there's these movies that are like not quite giant monster movies, but they have the flavor mm-hmm. of giant monster movies. Um, and so we wanted to be able to still cover them, but we were like, well, we don't want them to be actual episodes because those should be reserved for like, you know, Godzilla, Kong, Gamera, all the big ones. And so we, we, we came up with the concept on the fringe. So that's how we've covered, you know, we've, cal- we covered Valley of Guanji. We've covered, uh, uh, you know, uh, well, Jurassic park almost fits on, on the fringe almost. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> To a certain extent, <laughs> my favorite uh, on the fringe uh, episode that you guys have done, um, at least in recent memory, is Twister. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I was expecting the idea. more discourse. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea that Twister is a monster movie, and I'm like, you know what? Uh, I added it to our list <laughs> after your you, you know, guys' episode. 
when you rewatch it, you really look at it and you're like, man, this really is a monster movie. Like, yeah, they're they're tornadoes, but like they roar, they move like monsters. They mm-hmm. yeah, like, they're you know? they're vengeful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a really fun one to do. So so we've we've kind of opened our our world, uh, and then uh, Rob uh, created the our third episode a month. So basically, we do it weekly at this point. Uh, which is a uh, Tokyo signals, which is where we cover like bite-sized stuff like TV yes. shows and uh, yes, stuff my, like that. I love the mm, fact um, that you guys are in the middle of doing uh, the Godzilla, the series from the 98, the 98 series. Yeah. Yeah. The Tristar. Yeah. So we, yeah. So we just finished season one. That's we, we stopped at season one. Uh, and then Rob is starting up. Um, I don't even know if we've said this on the cast, but he's, we're about to start up uh, Evangelion oh, as our wow. next, uh, as our next one. Um, so that's, that's exciting. That, that should start up. I think at the beginning of the year is when we're, when we're slated to start that. So, yeah. Well, um, got to tell yeah. Rob that I'm still waiting for my invite to be on Tokyo signals and, and <laughs> let's do uh, battle fever J. Cause, <laughs> cause I am the one that introduced Rob to battle fever J during Kaiju quarantine. And, yes. and so I'm like, well, you better have me on the episode when you do that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, it's really cool. Yeah. So what we're doing signals wise is we're doing uh, a season of a show and then we'll end with an actual Tokyo lifts episode of usually for like tokusatsu shows and stuff there's always like movies that follow mm-hmm. uh the show so you know like the you know for ultraman there's always an ultraman right. movie that is the end of the show uh so for you know for tokyo uh, for for godzilla the animated series we did monster wars the big destroy all monsters mm-hmm. trilogy episode uh, to be the end of season one. Uh, so we're going to do that same thing with Evangelion. And then in between the seasons is when we have like the one-off episodes of specific, like, you know, like, uh, uh Oh, star Wars, the clone wars has, you know, the Zillow beast episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, so we'll do those uh, in between main seasons of big shows like Ultraman and stuff like that. So nice, nice. It sounds like fun. I know you guys have a lot of fun. Uh, and we will, we'll, we'll definitely talk more as the episode <laughs> goes about, um, about, about your podcast and, and everything. But, uh, yeah, we definitely want people to, if you enjoy giant monster podcast and you haven't given, uh, Tokyo lives, which I can't imagine anybody listening to us and not listening to Tokyo lives because it seems like you guys would be the ones they listen to first. And then the us, the little weirdos on the side are the ones that's like, Oh, well, you know, Tokyo lives oh, is good. On, Maybe Travis. I'll check these it's guys out. Like <laughs> it's not like, that. I, know when, I know when I got uh, kind of uh, reinvested into the fandom, I, so I just went and downloaded a bunch of random podcasts. I didn't have a clue who anybody was at that point. Um, I'm like, well, Tokyo lives. That sounds like fun. Kaiju weekly monster Island film vault. Kaiju apostle. I don't have a clue who these people are, but I'm going to listen because they like the same crap that I do. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's because of, uh, guys like you, man, that we're all just kind of sitting here and, and we're all friends at this point. So yeah. 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 So anybody uh, who is interested in giant monsters, if you haven't checked out Tokyo lives, definitely go do it. They are a lot of fun. And like I say, we will talk more about your podcast because uh, I know at least a couple of references will come up uh, throughout this episode (laughs) uh, that I will throw back to you as like, yeah, you guys did an episode on this. (laughs) Um, Oh yes. Yes. So, uh, (laughs) 
But we had a, we had a whole Jurassic Park month back <laughs> in, before Fallen yes. Kingdom came out. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that was another one. of My favorite ones of recent memory is Carnosaur. I loved you guys oh, talking about Carnosaur <laughs> because okay, my favorite moments in your podcast are when Rob, who if anybody is not aware or ha- wasn't. <laughs> involved in in uh uh kaiju quarantine rob is the king of trash mountain he loves these trashy movies and whenever it's his turn to pick the movie and the and the theme or whatever (laughs) it is just amazing because he is just like dialing up the torture button (laughs) (laughs) yeah he 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 loves to revel in torture of uh mainly me uh cameron loves it but uh (laughs) i don't know you sounded like you had a pretty good time with what was it uh planet of the dinosaurs it was it was a more Oh, hey, oh yeah. yeah. Oh man. <laughs> that one was Yeah, fun. but that's that's a movie from my past, so I grew up on that movie. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, before we get too far off track, let's go ahead and get into the news for this week. So we're gonna cue the beady beady. Which uh, is the sound effect that we put in after the fact. So <laughs> there's, there's no beady beady that's coming through the headphones, but there will be a beady beady. <laughs> Are we all supposed to make the noise? Is yeah, that- yeah, yeah, yeah. We all. <laughs> we, we did that when we had Alex on the podcast. Oh, man. Okay, so um, the first bit of news that we want to talk about is a little bit of personal news for this podcast, which is we surpassed our goal on Kickstarter for the Kaiju Ramen magazine. We had we, we had a relatively low goal because it's a digital magazine, so there's not a lot of overhead cost for it. But man, it got smashed within the first five hours of the Kickstarter yeah, going live. Like we had already surpassed yeah. our goal, and we are now way we are a hundred and sixty eight percent funded. Nice. <laughs> it is ridiculous. People are so excited for this, and I only I only have to say. Thank you to everyone who has supported it, and I w- I hope that we do you guys justice because I, I just want to make sure we live up to everybody's expectations. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of my blood and sweat and tears went into this project, people. <laughs> I put in countless hours of thought and love behind this entire project. It's all, it's been all me all the time Yeah, from the the very beginning. Yeah. Michael has, uh, (laughs) Michael has refused to let me do any work on it. No, no, um, no, we, we both, (laughs) we've both put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this, which means if anybody is getting the, the printed version, which is a reward, um, for people who back us at a certain level on Kickstarter, you get a printed version, uh, make sure to sanitize that before you, you read it because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, bodily fluids that might be in there um okay (laughs) blood sweat and tears those bodily fluids not 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 anything else not anything else we have look somebody somebody messaged us on twitter and i i I don't have his name uh i think it's owen was his name um and and i want to i want to give a big shout out to this because he said that uh his 11 year old son loves kaiju and loves this podcast and i want to say that is the 
just best thing that I could oh, have ever yeah. heard. Yeah. That is just amazing. Oh, yeah. And that's always the best. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I, that's I always it. the best. Man. I love it. So, <laughs> so we need to dial thank, back thank the, you, the Yeti nipple uh, references. <laughs> <laughs> Do you though? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, he already knows what he's getting at this point. So why stop? Right. Now? That's true. That's true. That's true. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I that just, when I, when I got that, I was like, Ooh, I mean, we try our best to be like PG, but it's like uh, 11 yeah. years old. I'm kind of, I mean, cause my 14, or 14, my 16 year old, uh, cousin listens to this so it's like yeah you know like he i i don't mind him but it's like ugh, 11 that, that's i don't we need to dial back on some stuff but <laughs> they grow yeah. up so fast anyway so yeah yeah they do. in this day and age too you know right, yeah. <laughs> right. i mean i mean we already have the this little sound bite <laughs> which uh is <laughs> Travis, don't we need to move on to some real news? <laughs> yes. yes, we do. Um, so, yeah. So, thank you guys for supporting the uh, Kickstarter for Kaiji Ramen. And uh, if you want to keep supporting it, uh, it is still going. Uh, the campaign is going until December 31st. And everyone who supports it will get um, they will get their first uh, pick. Or not pick, but the, the first glimpse of the magazine. They will they'll get the magazine first, is what I'm saying. Um, so, yeah. If you want to continue to go and support that um but yeah let's get into some actual news now um we have the breaking news as of today it just came out today as of (laughs) we're recording yeah (laughs) that warner brothers has announced that their entire 2021 film slate including godzilla versus kong will premiere on hbo max and in theaters simultaneously yeah, so this news uh, on our podcast, on Tokyo Liz, we've been following this news for a while now, mm-hmm. because I think it was a couple of weeks ago, there was the rumor that Netflix wanted to buy the streaming rights for Godzilla vs. Kong, right, yeah. and that uh, Warner Brothers said no, um, but there was also the thing saying that they were considering HBO Max, and we already knew Wonder Woman was doing this on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. uh, this this dual release. Uh, but this is this is huge. This is huge news that's going to impact the entire film industry for for at least the next year. Right. Um, uh, it's it's huge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it definitely it, it means it, it means a lot for the film industry and the theater um, industry. But at the same time, I'm like uh, this. This really does as a as a consumer this feels like the best of both worlds. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, that's what we were saying last week when we talked about the Netflix deal and the rumors of this, of HBO max um, was uh, that. Yeah. It, it's not, it's not Warner brothers fault that COVID happened. Uh, as far as we know, Warner brothers did not create COVID. So, <laughs> so they're, they're really as just far, making as far as we know. Travis, no, no, that's, that's COVID that is a universal thing um uh universal studios would would have ah. been the ones to create covid not not uh <laughs> um, no but yeah i i do i, I just i i think you know they're they're doing the best uh, of a bad situation they're making the best of the bad situation yes, right. and so and and since there are so many people who do want to go to the theaters who are willing to brave the you know the the theater uh 
then having it both on HBO Max for people who will not brave it, who do not want to take that risk, um, which is completely understandable, uh, but also in theaters on the same day means that, you know, you can you can choose. You can choose if you want the theater experience, you can go to the theater. If you want to stay yeah. at home and stay safe, then you can stay at home and stay safe. And I think that's the biggest thing that I, I think is really important to, like, really do- dial in here is that it, it is ultimately Warner Brothers put the choice back into consumers' hands. Like, they literally were like, hey, we understand it's a scary time. You might not want to go to a theater, but we've got all these amazing movies that we've got coming out next mm-hmm. year. And we want you to still see them. And also, God, the HBO Max subscriptions are going to go so far up. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, but they also are like, if they're, if, like, for instance, for me, like, if Godzilla vs. Kong is still releasing in IMAX in May, and, you know, I've got the vaccine already, and I, you know, I feel safe enough, I probably will still go see it in IMAX. But at the same time, if we aren't there yet, let's say the vaccine hasn't come out by May. Like, I'm definitely just going to watch it on my home theater setup and enjoy, Mm. like, watching it at home with my wife and probably my kid at the same time. Mm. You know, like, it's not – it's it's a choice. It's ultimately a choice. Um, Now, the interesting thing that I am curious about with this is – the money back end of it. And we I, I will never know this as a consumer. Right. But, you know, people were super concerned and still are concerned about Godzilla versus Kong being the end of the MonsterVerse because of King of the Monsters not failing at the box office, but being a little bit of a disappointment. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if this streaming and theat- theatrical release scenario, if we're ever actually going to see the real numbers of what Godzilla versus Kong is making – or right. if it's going to be this kind of nebulous thing that we'll never know if it was successful or not. Right. Um, that's my only concern, honestly. Well, I mean, I would hope that they would be transparent about those numbers, right? Because yeah, if but this, the theaters are, if, ne- if this are is never. The, right. But what I'm saying is if this is potentially the way things are going to be done from now on, I mean, we're going to have to have some kind of numbers to justify the reasoning to bas- basically yeah. phasing out the entire theater industry. Because that's right. what I'm. That's what I'm afraid of, honestly. And I'm not trying yeah. to be a dooms a doomsday or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I enjoy the uh, theater going experience, and I'm and I'm really scared that this is just the first step towards just phasing out theaters. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Defin- it's it's definitely a a fear. Like I agree. Yeah. I think. I mean, in, in the press release from Warner Brothers when this got announced earlier today, they did very like. They were very adamant with the way that they worded it, that mm-hmm. this is only during COVID times. They specifically mm-hmm. said, like, this is only for 2021. It's only for COVID-19. But, I mean, they could easily go back on that if, yeah. you know, right. this go this makes them a ton of money and theaters still aren't open by the end of 2021. Like, yeah. now, they may extend it to 2022. Speaking, you know? of, speaking of money... Um, I find this very fascinating because the rumor was now uh, how much of of truth there is in the rumor, but the rumor was that Netflix offered somewhere around two hundred million dollars for the streaming yep. rights. Now Warner Brothers has the distribution rights for Godzilla vs Kong and all of the MonsterVerse movies, and they've mm-hmm. decided to put it on HBO Max. They didn't have to pay. To put it on HBO Max because right. they had the distribution rights already. So yeah. that means that if the rumors are true that they turned down or they blocked this Netflix deal, they must expect to earn 
upwards of $200 million. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's, they're either really confident in Godzilla versus Kong, or they didn't like that if Netflix, if they got the deal from Netflix, they would only be breaking even, you know, right. I, I, that might've been why they were definitely like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, because Netflix, I bet, wouldn't let them release it in theaters on the same day. I bet Netflix was like, no, this is the only way it's releasing. We'll stream it, blah, true. blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah. I, no, it's – if that rumor is true, it is very interesting because it means that, like, Warner Brothers is still expecting somehow to make good money off of Godzilla vs. Kong Yeah. on their own through HBO Max and in theaters. That's interesting yeah. because, Which, you know – and I'll and I'm sure we'll litigate this from now until the movie releases and long after it's gone. Um, do you with them doing that? Do you think that Godzilla versus Kong is going to be more for the gen audience or is it going to be for the fan base? Because I know the number one one of the big gripes of uh, King of the Monsters was it was too much for the it was too much fan service and yeah. not enough for the gen audience, the newbies, the normies. See, and I've always been kind of – I feel like as fans, it's hard to judge if something is made for the fans or general audience because mm -hmm. you you as a fan are looking at it as a fan. You never are able to take yourself out of that situation. But like I, for instance, me personally, I have used King of the Monsters as an introduction mm -hmm. to the Godzilla universe as right. a whole with people that are general audience members that have never watched a Godzilla movie before, right. because I think it's a really good, like overall, like this is what you can expect from most Godzilla films with a few exceptions, of course, like mm -hmm. G54 and Shin, but like, and, and return of Godzilla, but every other Godzilla film is very similar to what we got in King of the monsters. If you really boil it down, yeah. especially to a general audience member. So I do, I, I do agree with you that I wonder if, if Godzilla versus Kong is going to be as big and, like referential to like the old stuff or if it's going to be kind of more played off as just a general action movie, maybe um, I need to get at least one scene of Godzilla eating a tree for me to be. Happy. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, you know, I can't say it. I'm not going to say it. I do uh, as, as a Godzilla fan, I do know one huge heavy spoiler that they have not revealed to the public with GVK mm -hmm. and I'm not going to say it, but knowing that spoiler, like this movie could be really, really, really cool. Uh, mm -hmm. and what I, it's really funny. Cause I, I did this before we started recording, uh, in our discord chat that we have for Tokyo lives, I actually wrote down like a whole plot of what I think is going to happen knowing that big spoiler. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to actually, after we finish recording, I'm going to record that as a stinger for the end of the Godzilla versus Kong episode to see how close I got with us not having a trailer, not having a poster, not having anything. Nice, at this yeah. Point. I just want to see how close I got, uh, with just my general, general thoughts on the movie, I guess. But, okay. um, yeah, but it's very, cool. I don't know. It's very interesting. I, I, I mean, the point of the matter is HBO Max's subscriptions all year next year are going to go insane. Like, no, a, a movie is going to come out that certain sect of people that don't have HBO Max are really interested in seeing, and mm -hmm. they're going to subscribe for that month. Oh, yeah. Know? So that's yeah. that's that's $15 in HBO Max's pocket, like just even for that one month subscription. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's just going to continue because, you know, next year is also the Snyder Cut for Justice League. You know, mm -hmm. you've got all these other big movies that are coming out, like Mortal Kombat and uh, 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 Suicide Squad and all this other stuff. Yeah. All those movies have an audience, and if HBO Max just keeps up picking up subscriptions every single movie that comes out, 
that is going to be easy money for them. And if anyone yeah. out there is like me and was going to try to kind of uh, skirt the system a little bit and wait and get the free trial to watch Godzilla versus Kong. Well, you can't anymore because they cut off free trial subscriptions as of today. They did. They did. So <laughs> I got to well, give them my like 15 bucks, I guess. I'm glad I used up my uh, free trial uh, already then. Cause I was like, yeah, hey, I've already used up my free trial. So I would have to pay for it anyway. <laughs> it's like, well, they yeah. turned it off. Good. I'm not wasted. I didn't waste my free trial. Well, <laughs> You know, that was sort of a pipe dream anyway. I kind of figured if it was going to go to HBO Max, they were not going to let you get a no. retry. Yeah, no. right. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they want that money. We, that's what we were just talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's exciting news. It, but uh, as far as we know, and as far as uh, everything goes so far, um, Godzilla vs. Kong is still on track to be released in May. We're, we haven't. So we don't have, have any more delays. <laughs> <laughs> I want to add one thing. Uh, it's a little bit of self promotion, but also just this is a really cool talk that we can have real quick before sure. we move on. Uh, is that uh, so? Uh, also, yesterday, I don't know if you guys saw me post my article about this. Yesterday, Legendary up- updated their Facebook um, with a new uh, banner image, uh, and the first image that they uploaded had a present on the right side. And on the tag of the present was a Godzilla footprint. Oh, wow. Um, and then, and then here's the funny thing. So then shortly later, they actually changed the photo and it's a different image on the tag, but it still looks like a footprint. So I went and did some searching because I was like, okay, what, what happened here? Like what, what actually went on? Um, so what it looks like is the first footprint image that they posted actually used the promotional like footprint from the beginning of the marketing of Shin Godzilla, like the one that ah. had the trilobite on one of the toes. Right. Uh. Um, they used that, and I think they were trying. That was like their test image to be like, "Oh, look what we could do to tease something Godzilla versus Kong related." Probably the trailer because that's when Wonder Woman eighty four comes out, and that's the perfect time to release the trailer. Um, and so, and then the second image, I was really weirded out by it was because it looks like a footprint still, but it doesn't look like a Godzilla footprint. And then I took my uh, SH Monster Arts uh, King of the Monsters from 2019, you know, Godzilla King of the Monsters mm-hmm. thing, and I looked at the foot, and it actually matches the new footprint thing pretty closely. Oh, nice. Because Godzilla's new design has... He has the three toes that are really close together on one side, and then he has the big kind of thumb toe. Sort of like off. GMK, because GMK has the big thumb toe. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, and so the the new image has that same kind of like design to that little stamp on the present tag. Um, so, I'm theorizing, like I said, we're going to get our first trailer on Christmas. I think that's when it's going to release. I think that's perfect timing. It's about you know almost exactly five months up until the movie releases, you know, it's, it's like yeah. the perfect, like marketing strategy time. Now there is a thing where we could be getting the trailer on Sunday. Cause there's a big expo, uh, which uh, it would be after this episode releases. So actually you may already have a trailer by the time we're saying this. So this could all be null and void. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there. Cause I, I like spent all day yesterday, like trying to figure it out and like doing research and trying to see if I could find anything uh that linked things together <laughs> it uh it is it is interesting that um one of the things that uh james bond um die uh not die another day what is it 
uh, No Time to Die. Oh, God. What is it? It's uh, uh, kill, No Time to Die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. James Bond, kill me now, please. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> which is my James Bond movie. Um, but, uh, uh, it's interesting that, that they one of the issues that they're running into right now with that movie is that they have spent so much money on marketing because they have not marketed that movie once they've marketed it twice because yeah. they were like, Oh, we're going to release it here. Oh, COVID happened. We're going to release it at, at this date. And now that date has come and gone. And it's like, uh, you know, so, so they have honestly spent, possibly a third time at this point. Yeah. And so the, they have spent so much money on marketing, whereas with Godzilla versus Kong, one of the big complaints, but also a benefit is they haven't spent that much time or effort into anything. Yeah. yeah. So it's <laughs> like, so they can save their money and put it into marketing when they're sure it's going to come out and and stuff so it's like yeah uh so yeah and at, at this point with this news like there really isn't a reason to delay it again right like, because it's coming out in theaters and on hbo max there's no reason like it's like well it's not even competing with even the other mu- movies in may because it's doing something different right so yeah, yeah. exactly so <laughs> I mean, fingers crossed no more delays <laughs> we are tired all com- of delays. all the complaints that all the complaints that we've been doing over the last I don't know, year with GVK. Mm. <laughs> We're all going to look super foolish when we realize that what, what Warner, Warner brothers and legendary have been doing is brilliant all along. Right. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. I also think as G fans, we've become really impatient. Like I feel like people forget the 10 year gap between 2014 and right. uh, final wars. Right. right. Like, Oh my God, <laughs> there was nothing. <laughs> yeah. All we had was Godzilla 3D to the max, which was going to be a sequel to Hedera. And everybody was like, what even is this? And then it didn't get made. <laughs> I think it's because we're so saturated with Godzilla content right now. It's just like, true. Yeah, true. It's yeah. Just and like we're, we're also we're, aware we're, this has been made. Thing? We're also yeah, aware we're, that this we're is, sitting here. Yeah. So yeah. it's like we if if there was if they were like, oh, we're going to go on hiatus. It's going to be another five years before another Godzilla movie. I would not be like on the edge of my seat as much as I am with this, because it's like, no, the movie is made. It's in the can. We know it's there. So it's just like, (laughs) we just want to see it. (laughs) And I mean, Toho does not seem to be slowing down, which will tie into a news item after this next one. Uh, So yeah. uh, Oh yeah. 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 So yeah, um, yeah, let's get into the rest of the news. Cause I mean, we know that's a big story, but we, we have a few other little things that we need to cover. So um, there was a new trailer for the Nezra 1964 movie movie the remake of the nezra giant rat movie uh from back in 1964 uh have you guys seen the trailer for this i have seen the trailer for it obviously there's no subtitles or anything i'm glad because um, i have not and so I'm, i saw <laughs> uh, oh oh you're one of me okay yeah. sure. uh, so here's the thing and uh, it's funny we were talking about it before we started recording but it's really funny because I'm, I'm gonna have to repeat this exact thing when i record on saturday with my podcast but i'm not seeing the giant monster yet like i i know we right? have the design um but mm-hmm. this trailer still didn't show anything it showed what we already knew is that it's kind of like a mockumentary based on the filming of nezra 1964 you know the movie that failed and that's what actually made Gamera come into existence mm-hmm. um so it th- we see a lot of like the rats running around miniature cities um but it's definitely like them filming the rats on an actual like miniature set like right. like you know like it was supposed to be mm-hmm. um 
it seems like the movie is going to be really character focused, which is in line with the other movie that this director has made, which is the great Buddha arrival mm-hmm. um, where it is still that, that movie is also kind of that weird mockumentary style ish thing. Um, so I don't know. I just don't know what this movie is yet. I mean, I'm excited to watch it just because of the main actor. The guy who's playing the director is the uh, the detective from the Heisei Gamera, uh-huh. if you remember. Yeah. He's one of the best characters in right. that. Uh, and he's just a, he's a joy to watch because he always gives 110% in every role that he's ever been in. I love him uh, so much. He's I, so good. <laughs> he is one that I, I – he is – if if we ever had like uh, – well, if COVID ever um, goes away and we can do like G-Fest and all the festivals and stuff, he is one I would love – to meet at a con oh absolutely because he's been involved in so many kaiju films at this point mm-hmm. too like he was in um uh raigo the the that one uh-huh, he was yeah. in yeah he's he's been in about he's been in a ton so it'd be really fun to like pick his brain about all the movies that he's been involved in uh but yeah so i mean he looks like he's gonna be a joy but i just i'm not getting giant monster from this movie yet and that's really kind of frustrating me because the the rat design that we've seen the the red kind of creepy like flesh looks rat. fantastic it looks awesome right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i yeah i have no idea i don't know like the trailer doesn't really show you anything new that we didn't know um and we still haven't seen the rat actually be a kaiju yet so yeah who knows is it actually going to be a kaiju film or is it just kind of going to be a mockumentary about the making of the film and we're just going to see that statue of the rat as a design on the table somewhere yeah uh, you know <laughs> i'd be I, I yeah i'm i'm interested to to find out um it's def, it's definitely a movie that's on my radar and i'm interested to see what they do with it um that actor that we were talking about is uh yokijiro uh hotaru Yes, yeah. Uh, and he, uh, another movie he was in, he not only was he in Raigo, um, he was in, in the Gamera trilogy, but he was also in GMK, uh, which we yes. reviewed oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. last week on the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, and we didn't mention it last week, but but I, I was happy to see him in GMK. I was like, oh, yeah, now I recognize you because of because of the Gamera trilogy. So, yeah, he is he I would I just want to I want to meet him. He yeah. seems like such He's, a fun person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I the new like I said, the new trailer just didn't really tell us much. It didn't, just didn't give us much to go on, honestly. Um yeah, so, I mean, well, I mean, I plan on watching it. I hope I'm not disappointed, but I mean, it's I, it's not something that I've been tracking really closely with because it's just sort of flo- flown under the radar, unless you are super ingrained into the fandom right now. So, yeah, definitely, yeah. But this next news, yeah. So, oh, so yeah, moving on. Is, <laughs> so I was hoping, I was hoping that with the the Nezera news that I would have been like, so uh, there's a new trailer. Have you guys seen it? And you guys both would have been like, nope. And we were like, okay, me neither. Move on. on. Um, <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. You're just, you're just, I should have known you're thorough. So, um, but yes. Yeah, so the next bit of news, IDW Publishing and Toho International have announced a multi-year partnership that will see the iconic kaiju Godzilla along with Rodan, King Ghidorah, Mothra, and many more monsters appear across a line of publishing projects, including comic books, art books, journals, puzzles, and coloring books over the next few years. Uh, And it says IDW will also have worldwide distribution for these projects with the exception of certain Asian markets. So 
this is exciting because we this has awesome. We we were talking about I I don't remember which episode we were talking about it, Michael, but but we were talking about how we I I love the the IDW Godzilla. Most most of what IDW did with Godzilla, I think was good. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. A few of them, eh, but but most of them were really good. Uh sh- shout outs to specifically two of the best ones are Half Century War and Rulers of Earth yes. in my opinion. Oh, Those yes. two are amazing. So amazing. Yeah. Oh. Half Century's <laughs> War is really good too. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is it is excellent. But um yeah, so I I love the IDW uh, had this and we were wondering if idw still had the rights for comic book stuff for um for godzilla and apparently they didn't or at least the rights had had come up to be renewed and that's one of the yeah. reasons maybe why they haven't been doing any godzilla stuff lately um but now with this news they have redone their um their godzilla uh rights and they have added things to it because now they're not just doing uh uh, comic books are doing art books and puzzles and coloring books and all this other stuff too yeah there's there's like i i even heard mention in one of the articles that was talking about it of uh some sort of tabletop like mm-hmm. D style oh, yeah something. i had read that yeah yeah and that's that's really just interesting in itself but yeah i mean honestly one of the coolest things about this <laughs> is that it's so IDW once again. They, they had some misses in their in their previous run. There there were some comics that weren't great. Yeah, uh, but overall they still did a really good job. And so I, I actually do know what happened. So um, so if Rulers of Earth was ongoing. It was their ongoing series, and it got canceled. Um, it, the reason why it got canceled is because the rights were about to go back uh, to Toho. So IDW had like s- some other ones that were the one-offs after Rulers of Earth that were still going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then right after that last one came out, Toho took the rights back. And I uh. think what happened from what, from what I gathered, um, it seems like Toho was trying to like s- see if anybody else was interested for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we had this, that then it came to another gap in Godzilla stuff before, you know, before 2014 came out. Um, and then it was kind of this weird, just like the comic right sat in limbo for, for a couple of years because just no one was really interested in buying it. Also legendary was doing their comics. Mm-hmm. So it was unclear of like, is legendary comics, do they have the rights to everything or is it just the toe or is it just the legendary stuff? Um, which is that apparently that is the, the, the deal is that, uh, legendary can do their MonsterVerse stuff and IDW now with this new announcement has the rights to do like the classic Toho stuff, mm-hmm. everything so, else, basically everything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this is super exciting. So next year, next year we are getting so much Godzilla content. It is going to be ridiculous because we've got <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong again, fingers crossed. It comes out on time and not delayed again uh we've got uh singular point and oh, we've got man. comic books coming <laughs> so it's like godzilla content overload and i am so excited for it <laughs> it reminds me of the the 90s uh when we got so many cool like godzilla toys and stuff mm-hmm. yeah uh, in america during the 90s yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah from treadmaster yeah uh all that good stuff uh, but yeah uh yeah rest in peace uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the, uh, so they did announce, there is a comic that they did announce with this announcement. Um, so they, they released a piece of art 
that shows kind of a Showa looking Godzilla standing behind like a group of teenagers or like middle school kids. Um, and uh, apparently there there is a comic that's coming out in April that's already like being written and done that mm. is going to be fo- like aimed at like middle school age kids. Oh, uh, wow. So they're, tr- they're trying to hit like all markets, I okay. think, with this. They're not just focused on like old fans. Um, so that's that's, that's really awesome. That's good uh, because there yeah. are more comic book readers now than there have been in the past. Yeah. It's just that most of them are reading digital or in trade, which are not counted by the the all powerful diamond. Um, and so, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, which is a, a topic for another day. But but it's just yeah, there are a a, a lot of readers, and, and and people may not realize that because they're not counted in the in what the numbers that we get we get from the official sources. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I was thinking of one of my favorite books, like, um, uh, squirrel girl from, from Marvel or miss Marvel. Uh, they get trade, uh, the trades get put in schools in like the libraries yeah. and part of the scholastic program. So yeah. kids are reading comic books. And if Godzilla can be in that same situation where they're put in schools and stuff for for young kids to read it's like yes do it (laughs) and then you got yeah like the coloring books and stuff that are part of this announcement too like that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. you know i'll be able to buy a coloring book for my my kid you know like Mm -hmm. and he's gonna be able to color godzilla stuff that's a huge yeah yeah. that will make a huge impact on the next generation of godzilla fans you know it reminds you know it reminds me a little bit of it reminds me of of that series of books that came out in the mid nineties, the Mark Saracen yes. Marvel, the Mark. Oh, Saracen those are so Marvel. good. And oh. uh, what, uh, Kyle, <laughs> you would know what are the, like the, the children's books that came out? Who, who were those by? Oh, uh, Scott Sison wrote those. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Uh, I have all of those and they're all fantastic. Yeah. Those novels, um, those I'm novels favorite. by Mark Saracen. Yeah. If you can track those down as a G fan, you will be extremely happy because it's like, they're better written. Heisei films is all they are. It's like the Heisei films, but they have better writing. <laughs> Godzilla, Return, uh, Godzilla Returns, Godzilla 2000. I've read both of those. So if I, I have them all and I've been trying to read through them. So I'm getting ready to start uh, uh, versus the. That's the fourth monster, one. That's the fourth that's one. Yeah. Fourth one. Okay. So the, at World's yeah. End would be the yeah. next one I would start. Okay. But yeah. Oh, man. I'm having those are so, so good. Much fun. But yeah, yeah, I mean, but yeah, it's it just, it's just. It's we are seeing that you know, when when Toho it was a few years ago they announced they were doing this Godzilla World idea where they were trying to like really push Godzilla's name across like all avenues mm-hmm. and we hadn't really it kind of was like trickling out so Rob on my on the podcast kept making jokes about like oh man look Godzilla showing up as a Monopoly board ooh mm-hmm. that's cool I guess <laughs> but it's like we hadn't really seen it but now suddenly we're starting to really see like. Oh, now there's going to be new comics. Now there's going to be art books. There's going to be journals with just Godzilla on the front that you can buy at Target. You know, like we're seeing all this stuff where Godzilla is just going to be peppered throughout pop culture again. Yeah, like leaning into the 2020. You know, I forget uh, decade who I was talking about <laughs> uh, about this with. Uh, it might have been Nathan. It might have been Elijah. Um, but I was talking to somebody and ha- Toho. I mean, I, I like Toho. And uh, you know, Toho, of course, is is a great with their movies and what they do but toho is kind of an old-fashioned company 
Yes. And it feels like what they tend to do is whenever uh, they wait for the competition to do something to see if it works before they actually put their foot forward and actually do it themselves. And so it might have been uh, that they were waiting to see how Subaraya uh, fared with all of the Ultraman stuff because all you know because yeah. they did the same thing so yeah <laughs> well the, yeah i i think i think that is well no because App, apple's not, apple's not old-fashioned though <laughs> um <laughs> but no that same approach of let the competition do, yeah. do its thing and then pick out the parts that act then pick out the best parts that work and then do that yeah because they, I mean, they've done yeah. that in the past with like gamma and with uh, other ones mm-hmm. they they've waited to see how well those succeed and then they'll come back with their own thing and so uh, it feels like uh that's what they're doing here because they announced this like godzilla world thing right around the same time that subaraya was like we're going to make sure ultraman is a household name for everyone in the world and yeah uh and then, you know, of course, Subaraya has done a lot to do that, to accomplish that. But Toho hasn't, like you said. And so I but now it feels like I think they've they've seen the success that that has come from Ultraman. And they're like, now we can we can follow them in the same uh, footsteps with Godzilla. Some might even say uh, we're already starting to see uh, Katakawa start to do that with Gamera. Yeah. Uh, in response to what Godzilla is doing. Yeah, uh. <laughs> I, I we're still again we're still hoping for a return of Gamera. Uh, I mean, they re- they just re released all of the movies in Japanese cinema in 4K. Yeah, so they they I'm promised that more more <laughs> things were coming for Gamera's you know for fi- the 55th anniversary this this com- well this year was the 55th anniversary, but um, yeah. the. Uh, they they promised there would be more throughout the year that's coming. So uh, yeah, we're we're hoping we're hoping. Um, Cross your fingers. Yep. <laughs> oh man, if we had so we've got the Ultraman anime and the TV shows, and then we've got Godzilla anime and movies. Can you imagine if we got a Gamera anime and movie? All in the same year, oh, man. just all in the same year. And it's just like my kaiju heart is going to explode because I cannot handle. <laughs> what, what? Okay. I have one last question and we have it's to true. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, and this is, and this is for Kyle because Travis and I have okay. talked about this before. Do you think that Godzilla versus Gamera will ever happen? Okay. Here, here's my, my pitch for it. Um, if the only way that I could see it happening, and this is an if and a very big if, uh, the MonsterVerse continues, I could see it happening as the next big event film in the MonsterVerse. I could see this them them doing a solo Gamera film in this next set of like films, and then the next big film is Godzilla versus Gamera. And I think that that would that would drive G fans and and just Kaiju fans across the world crazy first of all mm-hmm. um but i just yeah because what is there to do right. after that like after gamma versus godzilla what what is I mean, there like what you can bring ultraman there? in uh yeah <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> but no in a, in a more serious note i really do think i think that there is a world where godzilla versus gamma can exist i mean toho and uh not katakawa but uh Dae talked about it way way back in the day uh, and there was actually, I don't know if you guys know this, there was a stage show 
in Japan for like oh, one yes, event. I heard about, yeah, I heard it was about it was like one night. Yeah. It was like uh, the the world uh, world's fair or whatever. And it was held in Tokyo, and they had a stage show of Godzilla versus Camera. And there's like a, there's a single like ten second clip from it that exists in the world still, but every everything else has been lost. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think that Katakawa is also looking at the success of the MonsterVerse and going, "Hey, it would be really cool if Gamera had that same." renewed vigor behind it yeah so honestly i mean there could have already been conversations between katakawa and legendary already that we don't even know this happened yeah uh mm-hmm. i mean gamera oh, also not to throw fuel on the fire but the in the art book for king of the monsters one of the monsters that was used as a temporary holdover for godzilla's big roar at the end was gamera oh wow so I'm not saying there's some backroom talks. I don't actually know, but I bet you it could be happening. And I bet you Legendary would be very, very interested in bringing Gamera into the big monster verse and having a big, big epic crossover. Because um, I'm still, I still, if the monster verse continues, I would love to see Godzilla versus Gamera as the next big event film. Mm-hmm. And then if we're going to end it, mm-hmm. do Destroy All Monsters. But since we've already done Ghidorah, do like Destroy or something as the big final boss right. enemy. Yeah. And yeah. you have Godzilla, Kong, and Gamera all like teaming up against Destroy. So it's this big epic, you know, like the big monsters. I would, I know. I would, I would like, I'm, I would be sitting there as a 34, 35 year old man. I would just be, to t- I would be to tears. I'm just saying that would be really cool. Maybe it's fan, you know, fan thoughts, but I, I do think with right. what we know of Katakawa with them saying that they are interested in getting Gamera back into the kind of the zeitgeist a little bit. Uh, and with the amazing, amazing release, the Blu-ray release that we just got uh, in America from Arrow uh, that just was it's mind boggling how that, how good that thing is Right. Uh, to this day. <laughs> I still can't even believe it exists. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that like, Ga- Mon- if Gamera was going to make a return, the time is now. And if the MonsterVerse is still going to be the height of like Kaiju cinema with like, really good effects and everything, like maybe the writing and stuff isn't as good as you want it to be, but you can't not, you can't argue with like the special effects and the cinematography across the entire MonsterVerse has been amazing. So right. yeah, like, right. I, I think that they would be very interested in something like that. I bet. Yeah. I, it, it makes sense. I mean, every with, with a lot of these companies, people think, Oh, you know, the, that that's impossible. That'll never happen. It's like, no, with most of the people who are the behind the decision-making in these companies, all options are on the table as far as like, what they're looking into it's just that some things are either not possible because of rights and stuff and some things are not possible because of money and stuff so but all things are i mean disney disney has definitely uh considered uh buying out warner brothers and putting superman in their marvel movies that is not that, that, that that is always on the table yeah. <laughs> yeah honestly yeah i know we all joke about it but like behind the scenes i guarantee you at some point there has actually been a conversation about a marvel dc movie crossover oh yeah like within the last five years i guarantee you that conversation has happened mm-hmm. like i don't know it probably didn't go anywhere right but it there that conversation has at least happened so like thinking of something like godzilla and kong showing up at the same thing or even ultraman and godzilla showing up in the same thing 
honestly actually is not that out of out of the realm of possibility uh we we think that toho and superai are like rivals and that you know they're, they mm-hmm. hate each other but it's like not really like if if someone came up with a good enough story and the money was there and they knew it would like do well like yeah they're gonna throw ultraman and godzilla in a movie together like yep. it's gonna happen yeah and it would come down to a probably a coin toss as to who it or is. they're gonna team up so. honestly Ultraman. if if it's ultraman yeah. going into the monsterverse ultraman probably would fight godzilla thinking he's an enemy at the beginning mm-hmm. but then we know this godzilla is a hero for the most part and then they're gonna team up and fight bemular or something at the end i'm you sorry <laughs> i mistook you for my for my uh enemy giras <laughs> yeah <laughs> where's your frill yeah um. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well speaking of frills on dinosaurs um let's get into yes. the main topic for this week oh man it's almost an hour <laughs> into recording and we so are- I- I just want to say uh, that is the curse of having Tokyo Lives on your podcast. We learned that. Yeah. Uh, is that anytime we're there, we just, we go forever. Cause our podcasts usually are like two and a half hours anyway. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, well, that's what uh, Alex and Eric yeah. warned me about. I didn't believe God, him. Alex and Eric, we, we got talking so hardcore. We just, we just like, we couldn't stop. We start, started talking about Gridman at the end and we were just oh, like man. going all into it. It was so good. Yeah. Well, I mean, people who come to Kaiju Weekly do not come here for uh, quick and brief episodes because our episodes have ballooned out lately anyway. So if the podcast is good enough, it does yeah. not matter about the length. Because right. people are listening to this while doing other things. Yeah. You know what I mean? No one's just sitting at their computer just listening to the podcast. They're sitting at their computer typing, you know, work for stuff, and they're listening to the podcast while they're doing it. So it doesn't matter if it's two and a half hours, because they're still just going to be listening to it while they're doing their work. Right. And as someone who drives... <laughs> and three hours has passed, then you're like, this episode yeah. is still going. Yeah. And as someone who drives like five hours, six hours uh, for work oh, yeah. every night, oh, yeah. uh, th- I, I definitely, it doesn't matter. I'm like, I'll put on a podcast and just listen to it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But anyway, speaking of things to we need to get into, um, we like to ask trivia questions to hint to uh, each episode. So at the end of each episode, we ask a trivia question and we uh, like to give people shout outs. So we're going to uh look at the trivia question that we asked last week which i kind of made up on the spot because i forgot to write a trivia question beforehand (laughs) so that's why it's kind of a weird question (laughs) but sometimes (laughs) sometimes those get the best answers which is great so um the question i asked last week one of samuel l jackson's lines from kong skull island specifically the one where he says hold on to your butts um, <laughs> was a reference to what movie he appeared in 24 years earlier. And we're going to start off right off the bat. Elijah sent in Yeti Park full of nipples and butt rockets. Perfect. Sounds about right. <laughs> Elijah, come on. Come on. You're, you're, you're really making it hard to keep things on the PG level here it's like you gotta you gotta tone it down some yeti is one of the i i am not sure if you are aware of this yeti for for a podcast that has never reviewed yeti 
<laughs> we cannot get rid of this. <laughs> it is stuck to us like a. Tick. You guys need. You guys just need to like review it at this point. You got to just get it out of the way. You got. You got to. You got to rip that. We're gonna. Gotta rip that tick it. off. I. I, <laughs> I kind of don't want to review it just because I like the gag of us being like the Yeti podcast, but never reviewing Yeti. Um, <laughs> because it's like. Whoa! 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 whoa. Wait! Hang on. <laughs> We we probably just need to rip the band. <laughs> no, I no, I kind of like it. I, there's a podcast I listen to called Ridiculous History, and their um their uh, podcast art that they have for like um uh, you know on every all their all the apps uh is uh, has Rasputin on it. Uh, because Rasputin is this big historical figure. They've never done an episode on Rasputin. They've been uh, doing this for a few years now. They've never done an episode on Rasputin. And people keep asking, when are you going to do one on on this guy? He's on your, your <laughs> logo. And they're like, well, we kind of like the idea of never doing one because it's just funny that, that he's on our logo, but we'd never do a, a, an episode on him. It's like, that's how I feel about Yeti. It's like, there are, we've talked. We're not putting Yeti on our logo. <laughs> You're here's what you do here's what you do you say you're going to review yeti you say that's going to be your next episode and then you surprise anyone everyone and you review ape instead <laughs> I thought, so i know this is like this shows that i'm old but i was thinking of i was like yeah we're gonna re it's our yeti episode and then it's just like an hour and a half of the rick roll <laughs> of rick astley's never gonna give you up <laughs> just over and over again um you gotta give them the content that they don't know they want they all want you to review a yeti but they don't know they want you to review ape because it is bad but at least it's entertaining oh, bad it's so oh i don't know yeti's pretty entertaining so yeti yeti ah! i find so much joy in yeti which I, which is why it has kind of stuck to us like a lamprey um is because i have tell, you want to share with kyle your your uh your your description of yeti oh yeah i and really you know what it. i may have gotten it from from your you guys's podcast because i don't remember where i heard it or where i can if i came up with it or if i heard it but uh i always describe yeti as a 1970s porno but with all the sex cut out <laughs> I feel like that might have been something Rob said. It might have been. I don't is, know. Which is, it also could have been Chris from Gar Gargantia Cast because somehow, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, yes. the stars aligned and both of our podcasts reviewed Yeti in the same week yes. without knowing that the other one was going to do it. We had no idea. There was no communication. There was nothing. Yep. <laughs> and I was subscribed to both of you guys' podcast and got double dose of Yeti. And I had never heard of this movie before. And then two <laughs> podcasts i listened to did episodes on them and i was like okay i have to check this movie out because this is crazy and then that's when my obsession for it <laughs> began but that's that's the point it's like we we have never reviewed it there are podcasts out there who have reviewed it and done really good job reviewing it we have one of the hosts of one of those podcasts here with us today why are we as the yeti <laughs> So Jimmy from NASA. Jimmy from NASA sent us an answer. Um, he said anything but the Star Wars prequels. Sure, sure. And uh, Jimmy, I just have to tell you, uh, we allow you to be on this council, 
but we do not grant you the title of podcaster. <laughs> um, and then Danny, the uh, who is uh, from the Godzilla novelization project, sent yes. us in easy pulp fiction, a classic, sure, but not enough genetically reconstructed dinosaurs for my taste. Yeah, perfect. Say Tyrannosaurus one more time. One more time. Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna. <laughs> One more goddamn time. <laughs> oh my god. Um and then uh and then Nathan sent oh us in Dino Snakes on a Plane. Perfect. Which just made me think of I'm I'm tired of these uh mother friendly dinosaurs on this mother friendly plane. <laughs> oh even better, make it a Jurassic Park three reference. Oh I'm yeah. Tired of these mother friendly velociraptors on this. Yeah. <laughs> Alan the Friday plane. Alan, Alan. Alan. <laughs> oh boy. Oh no. Um, oh that movie. And then that oh movie. boy. <laughs> and then Are we sure we don't want to talk about Jurassic Park 3 instead of Jurassic Park? <laughs> oh no. Like, I think <laughs> we should have. We totally should have. Um Chris Deggle uh sent in. Uh, oh, by the way, Chris Deggle um has is working on starting his own podcast, which is a German uh, language podcast yes, that is, is. giant monster it's awesome yes yeah, yeah. So we uh, uh are super excited my, about my wife is actually a german uh major that's what she's majoring in in college oh wow uh, so uh i've actually like i already kind of like joked with uh my podcast people of like maybe we should get marissa to guest host on Chris's uh, German language podcast because she does speak German. Oh wow! So, yeah, that would be pretty fun. But yeah, no, I'm super excited for him. Yeah, uh, he's he's been a follow of our podcast for a very long time. Yeah, he actually, I don't know. Were you guys following us back as far back as the uh, Rodan in a hot car oh, uh, joke? No, I I don't think I. <laughs> I don't oh, think no, I, I don't no. remember that one. So destroy we, we we joked about it when we watched Destroy All Monsters a long time ago. Oh, okay. That the Rodan in Destroy All Monsters, his face is flat and like like he looks melted. So we <laughs> joked that he's a Rodan in a hot car. Like somebody <laughs> left the Rodan suit in a hot car on the Toho lot and then pulled it out and were like, oh crap, we don't have time to remake this. We just gotta go with it. And uh Chris Deagle jumped on it and made a, a, a fan art piece for it. A long time oh, ago, man. right after the episode came out. It was amazing. Oh, man. It's better than the Biolante suit that got left on the lot and now is a house for cats. Oh, yeah. yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, so we wanted, we wanted to give uh, Chris a shout out there because, uh, yeah, we're excited that for more kaiju content, even if it's in a language I don't understand. <laughs> um, but he sent in, uh, it. the answer has to be, we're back a dinosaur story. We, or was that John Goodman? <laughs> Which is like that's that's cool. It's a it's a connection to Kong Skull Island. I see what you did there. <laughs> Talk about a dinosaur movie. I don't think we'll ever cover on my podcast. Not because it's bad, but just because it's like eh. uh, we might cover it on ours. We'll have you on that's, for that one. There you go. <laughs> that's almost a little too on the fringe for even our on the fringe. <laughs> uh, we uh, my vote was Land Before Time, but oh, that's, that's a good one. Uh, oh man, uh, yeah, oh. that's a good one. That one's kind of hard because it's like they're not there's not even any humans to compare the dinosaurs to so you can't even say the dinosaurs are monster like because it's like no they're just people well <laughs> sharp tooth is 
Uh, uh, yeah, Sharp Tooth so. is a monster. He is the giant monster of the story, I guess. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but yeah, so uh, um, we. Continuing on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Alex Sperling said Jurassic World, of course, the famous failed theme park. Hmm, that's it. <laughs> yep. Jurassic World. <laughs> Jurassic World is obviously the one everyone thinks of when they think of dinosaurs. Yep. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Kaiju Kim said Jurassic Parka, the film where a bunch of out of control jackets take over an island. <laughs> that's a great one <laughs> and then uh gojira on twitter said godzilla versus destroya or godzilla 1995 is what he had said i didn't put in the show notes but uh i was like uh no close but no <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Sam, uh, oh yeah, I saw this former <laughs> guest host of this podcast. Said, Dang it, I cannot believe you are doing this po- episode without me. It's like, and I sent him a message. I was like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> like this is this is the kind of uh, this is the kind of thing he would be right up in, and especially since his podcast has done like I, I think I did two part episode. Um, about uh, uh jurassic park for jurassic park yeah 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 so uh so anybody who's anybody who wants to know the science side and how it compares to real world science uh and and also you know with a sense of humor because sam and his co-host have a sense of humor as well uh go check out the uh, cinematica animalia podcast because they they did some uh jurassic park episodes well sam I hope I do you proud. <laughs> yeah. Well, he said he, like <laughs> he said he was going to send me a laundry list of things of notes that he has from when they did their episodes. And mm. uh, Sam, you you didn't send it quick enough because uh, we recorded early this week. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> it sounds like Sam's been having a lot of fun with Alien Worlds, though. So that's that that'll be good mm. for him. I'm I'm looking mm. forward to that review. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, we have one actual correct answer out of all of them uh which was osama ahmed uh on twitter who said jurassic park which is the correct answer this week of course we are talking about jurassic park from 1993 it was directed by steven spielberg stan uh, stars sam neal if i can get my words out uh and then uh also stars laura dern jeff goldblum richard attenborough uh, B.D. Wong, Samuel L. Jackson, we mentioned Wayne Knight and a bunch of other people. So um, and yes. then <laughs> the plot breakdown, which <laughs> is my favorite plot breakdown I've ever written because it's Jurassic Park. Like you, you guys, you, you should know by you should now. Know the plot yeah, you Park. know the I plot know. of Jurassic Park. <laughs> no one doesn't know Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, let's do something fun. Uh, let's each give a one sentence description of the plot just one sentence can't do two one sentence okay okay well then then since you since you introduced this then you can go ahead uh let's see genetically engineered dinosaurs run amok on an island there you go all right michael you want to do it travis no 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 michael (laughs) I threw you guys for a loop. <laughs> Age before beauty. <laughs> I wanted to. Okay. I have two. I have two in my head right now, but one of them I can't say because we got to keep it PG. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great big pile of sh- um, yeah. <laughs> But the other one, the other one is more like a six foot turkey. 
There you go. There <laughs> yeah. you go. Yeah. Uh, mine was going to be, uh, yeah, uh, first it's the ooing and the aahing, then there's <laughs> then there's the running and the screaming. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, uh, which is not even this movie, but. <laughs> we have a T-Rex. Yeah, they have a T Rex. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you so, bred raptors. Uh, <laughs> so I don't think we even need to do opening thoughts on this movie because I mean we've kind of given a little bit away with just how how easily we can quote the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this is this is one of the few movies that I have in my repertoire that I can quote from beginning to end. Yeah, without like the sound on. I don't I don't need to see subtitles. I don't need to like have anything i can quote this movie from beginning to end uh as the movie's playing i've so, seen this movie way too many times yeah <laughs> so i wanted to we, we what we like to do on this uh podcast we like to do positivity sandwiches we start with the good then we do some dislikes and then we finish on some positives um sure. but i wanted to start off with we're all about the same age uh you know give or take a few years but um i want to talk about what our first experiences were with this movie and what are like earliest memories are with this movie so um kyle do you want to start yeah absolutely um so uh, this is the first movie that i remember having a scene in theaters uh i i have vivid memories of of being a four-year-old little kyle sitting in the theater and seeing this movie um it it, it definitely you know, growing up in the nineties and, and with the advent of CG, and I know we're going to talk about a lot of that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think we all have stuff to say about how influential this movie is on the movies that we see today. Um, seeing a real dinosaur for the first time, quote unquote, real mm-hmm. uh, it, it was such a, had such an impact on me as a kid. Um, and it led, I mean, uh, these, it's hard to explain to a lot of people, but the, these movies, these dinosaur films that I love from my childhood, like Valley of Guanji, Planet of the Dinosaurs, Jurassic Park, these movies are what got me into kaiju films. Like I didn't like Godzilla like at first because I th- I asked my stepmom to go buy me a dinosaur movie, and she came back with Godzilla versus Kong. Oh wow! And I was like, "This isn't a dinosaur. What is this? I don't want to watch this." And she was like, "Just put it on and watch it." And then, of course, <laughs> the rest is history. But but this this the these movies these dinosaur movies specifically Jurassic Park had a huge influence who, who, of who I became as a person my likes and dislikes for general movies as a, as a person in general mm-hmm. um, I think that it's it just like I said the first memory of going to a theater was seeing this movie um, and it's what got me interested in paleontology like which is a route that I almost went to as a career um, because of this film. Like it's just this movie's influence on me is like almost impossible to really fully talk about. Like I, I could probably spend an hour just talking about the little intricacies of like, oh, this scene really influenced this, you know. But mm. anyway, uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, it's this movie is a big deal in the cultural zeitgeist of film as a whole, mm-hmm. um, and it deserves to be looked at as that. It's not a perfect movie by any standards. I know we all have a few dislikes, I'm sure, um, but. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that's my that's my thoughts on it. I guess the brief beginning thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I, I was the same way. I this was I think one of the first movies, if not the first movie I ever saw in theaters, and I I have a memory of seeing this movie. Now I I was three years old when this movie came out, so I'm wondering if 
my memory of seeing this movie is an actual memory or one that I've just been told that about by so many people in my family that it just kind of like I built the memory myself. But yeah. uh, there, my my grandmother was very worried that I would be too scared. Uh, to see this movie because it would be oh. too violent for me <laughs> at three yeah. years old. Um, my yeah. dad had already taken me to it and they didn't realize it. Uh, and so I had already seen it. And then my grandpa took me to see the movie and I was jumping up and down in my chair saying, Papa, uh, the man's going to be eating on the potty. The man's going to be eating on the potty. <laughs> and so yeah so (laughs) just like you this movie has had a huge impact on my life um this this movie is one of the reasons why i am i was a godzilla fan before i was a fan of dinosaurs so i can't really say say that this inspired my love of godzilla and kaiju but this movie is one of the reasons why i'm such a creative person now and i do so much so many creative things because uh, when i was a kid and i had the dinosaur toys i used to invent stories and and tell stories and and invent movies and stuff in my head of this is how i think the next movie should go this is how i think the the next you know jurassic park should be and that kind of just carried over throughout my life of i've always been a creative person of you know coming up with stories coming up with ideas and stuff so uh yeah this this movie has had a huge impact on me uh, michael uh what about you well when i was but a wee lad uh, <laughs> but no this this is not my first uh, theater movie. My actually, my my first theater movie, which is kind of related, was the Flintstones movie from 1994. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you're a couple I of years older than us. So. Theater with my mom. <laughs> True, uh, but this was the very first, my very first VHS tape that I got to pick out myself. Right um, at Blockbuster, I think it was Blockbuster. Anyway, um, but. I'm in Hollywood video. <laughs> it could have been, it could have been, uh, or it could have been just a little rinky dink video store in the town where I grew up. But, um, I was the weird kid in the back of the, in the back of the station wagon, restore rec- reciting all the dinosaur names from memory. Uh. And, uh, I had my, any, anytime my mom and my sister would be driving, they'd say, Michael, what is this one? I would say that's a Dilophosaurus or that is a, uh, that is a Ceratosaurus or that is a uh, Carnosaurus or something, you know, something uh, ridiculous. And they're like, Oh my God, how do you know all those names? And like, I don't know. They just come to me. I, um, but no, it, what it really comes from is my love of classic movies. Like I would, I don't know if I'd say that uh, Jurassic Park is a class, well, it is a classic, but like the, it's a classic the old Harry, now. <laughs> yeah, the old Harryhausen films with the dinosaurs, with with the yeah. what we what we picture up, what we were picture growing up as the as the traditional T Rex is what I'll call it, the upright yeah. uh, tail dragging T Rex. That's the that's the uh, that's the dinosaurs I grew up with, and so when I finally got to see Jurassic Park, and I got to see what I, what appeared to be real life dinosaurs on screen, my mind was freaking blown. <laughs> and honestly, if you want to see a 34 year old grown man cry, put this movie on and I will cry each and every time because I love this movie so darn much mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because I remember sitting on the couch with my parents watching this movie 
And in within the in within the first few minutes with the scene with the the guy that gets eaten by the Velociraptor, the memory of my mom covering my eyes because she thought it would be too violent for me to see it. Um, that kind of stuff that those those little memories that I get to recall every now and then when I watch this movie, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, without Jurassic Park, I wouldn't be a huge Godzilla fan without any dinosaur films, any classic, uh, any classic dinosaur films. I wouldn't be a Godzilla fan because it all stems from this. Like I also wanted to be a paleontologist, although I got my dad live me living in West Virginia. My dad was a uh, coal miner. So, ah, I assumed that since he went underground, he was an archaeologist quote, or a paleontologist, whatever. And that's what I would always tell my friends because I thought it was cool Yeah. because I thought my dad was, the, was the cool guy digging, digging up dinosaurs all day and then come to find out not, but you know, I found that out many, I found that out a few years later, but no, I mean, I really don't know how to put into words how much I love this movie. Um, probably the fact that I cry each and every time when I watch it, especially the scene where um, you first see the full view of the Brachiosaur mm-hmm. and yeah. the music plays and it's such a wonderful moment. And it's just, it's like, Oh, that's, that's a, that's a real dinosaur. That's, that's really what they look like. Huh? Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it yeah. is and, it's such a, such an influential film on so many people's lives, um, young and old. Uh, and there's, I, I mean, I don't feel like I'm an old person all the time, but the one thing that I feel like I, I become the like kids these days type person is, uh, I, I, I always get bothered by the amount of kids and, uh, and media that focus on dragons nowadays. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, which dragons are cool. I, I understand that's, that's cool. But dragons are fictional dinosaurs really existed and kids these days are more interested in the fictional creature than the things that really existed you know whereas like our generation and and you know like the generation that was right after us uh kind of were obsessed with with dinosaurs because we had jurassic park we had all the sequels and stuff too well uh uh-huh you know, I think it's because dragons sort of come with the bells and the whistles of, you know, being able to fly and breathe fire. And they're typically uh, very, <clears throat> very ornately designed. Mm-hmm. And they're just, you know, I can see why people love dragons so much because I, I loved dragons growing up. I still love dragon. Dragon Heart is one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, lo- I love dragons, too. Dragons are great. But it's just to me, it's like I would rather uh see kids playing with dinosaurs and and loving dinosaurs because these are things that really existed and that's so cool that these things mm-hmm. really existed now they didn't exist in the form that they're shown in this movie um but but <laughs> but not even close yeah <laughs> and, and i think that and, and we don't have to get into it because that's a whole nother uh, episode and topic but one of the things that just one of the things i think that uh, Jurassic World failed in is they focused so much on a fake dinosaur. Uh, and, and, and I mean, they're all, these are all fake in a way because they're all not like the way they're supposed to, but this was a dinosaur that was created for the movie that they, that they focused on instead of the real things that actually existed, even if they aren't, they don't, we know now that they don't look the way that they do in the movies, but still just like not focusing on, 
the real things and focusing on an artificial, a, 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 a fictionalized thing. I don't know. I just, I think that that disappoints me in a, in a way. Well, I think, I mean, like you said, that's, I feel like there's a whole, whole other bag of worms, but right. I, I, I do. I, I definitely see what you're saying with it. I think that the thing with Jurassic world, just to kind of give my thoughts on it is that I think Jurassic world was trying to really talk about the, uh, the centralization of, you know, like, okay, we've had a park that has had dinosaurs that has been running for five years. Everybody knows what these dinosaurs are, what they look like, what they do. There's so many videos. I mean, think of, think of people like now when they go to theme parks, what are the first things that they do? They record their experience, right? Mm -hmm. So there's so many, think of, think of a world where there's just so many YouTube videos of people visiting the T-Rex paddock and visiting the, the, the petting zoo and stuff like that. So Jurassic world really try what they were trying to do. They may not have succeeded at it, but what they were trying to do was they were trying to go over the the idea that in a world like today with the internet and everything like that, the only way to continue to keep the park open would be to create something new. Just like uh, Universal uh, has to open a brand new ride every year or people mm -hmm. are not going to be interested in going. Yeah, so and it's they the same get rid kind of, of the idea. ones that we love that we grew up riding if you were oh, the absolutely. person who went yeah, to no, the Trust me, I, I, rode, I rode Jaws the last year that it was there. I, I rode it oh. the last year before they tore it down. I was um, so sad when that happened. Oh. No, I get what you're saying because it's like because it, it like Jurassic Park. I think it. it this is probably a, not a popular opinion, but I actually think Jurassic World, sorry, is successful because it is a, a pretty good commentary on just how the culture is always looking for that new and shiny that new and shiny thing to keep us interested. Yeah. And you're, I like your point, Kyle, where you said, just imagine a world where these creatures really do exist. And there's a thousand YouTube videos of people going to the park and snapping pictures with blue or, or whomever or whatever they can find. And it's just saturated into the culture at this point. It's the, the mysticism and the, and the magic and the awe is gone. It, they're just another animal at this point. It's like going to the zoo and seeing a tiger. It's like, Oh, that's seeing a tiger is cool. But it's just a tiger. Yeah, so. it's it's nothing new. Yeah, so like, and I think that's, I mean, and that's, you know, once again, that's a whole other episode just talking about Jurassic World. But I think that that's, the movies were going for different things, I think. And mm -hmm. so like, even though it's in the same universe and it's the same, like, tr you know, series of films, I think with Jurassic World specifically, because it was almost kind of a reboot cool to a certain extent, mm -hmm. um, you have to look at that as trying to be its own thing. Whereas this movie was trying that the whole purpose was to show you real dinosaurs for the first time. Right. That is literally this entire movie's like drive. Uh, and so, you know, and we're going to talk about some of the making of stuff with it, which is really important to understanding that of how, how we even got to the movie that we got um, is really important to kind of knowing why this is so important. And also the movie that it is uh, and why it's still looked at now. Like, you know, people still quote it, on the day of saying, Oh my God, the CG in the original Jurassic park is so amazing. It still holds up to this day, which I have something to say about my dislikes, but um, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think that like, because they're so different, like they're, they're, they're trying to do the same thing, but in a different way. Yeah. Like the, like Jurassic world, once again, was trying to show you like, this is a world where a Jurassic park has existed for i think it is like five years i think the park is supposed to have been open for like five years yeah something uh, like that so like 
what would get people excited to come to the park? Oh man, there's this really cool thing that's like bigger than a T-Rex. And like, as much as like, as a, as a paleontologist fan, I was disappointed at first because I was like, well, they could have just done a Giganotosaurus or Mm -hmm. they could have, you know, brought the Spinosaur back or they could have done, you know, something like that. But instead they went with this brand new thing. Now, kind of in retrospect, I really actually look at Jurassic World in a more fond light because of the Indominus. I've actually kind of come to love the Indominus hmm. because of what it represented in the story it was trying to tell. And yeah. uh, if you haven't watched Camp Cretaceous yet on Netflix, oh, you it's, definitely it's should because mm. it's very, very good. And it also yeah. makes you kind of like the Indominus a little bit more, too, because uh, of okay. how much of a threat it is. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. No, you're fine. Well, well, no, yeah, you're, let's... you're totally fine. I, no, I get it. I, <laughs> yeah. Let's get into some of the, the, um, making of stuff like you mentioned, because, um, we, t- uh, we talked about, um, Harryhausen and we've, we, we have reviewed lots of Harryhausen films on this podcast and we always, always, uh, worship at the altar of Harryhausen, um, and sing his praises. Um, and how influential the stop motion animation was on this film, even though they didn't use stop motion, even well they intended to, but they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh, and by the way, if you if, if anybody listening hasn't seen it, check out the the you can find it on YouTube. Uh, the the little um, it's a very short clip of the kitchen scene with the velociraptors but done with yes. stop motion dinosaurs there's also there. the t-rex too uh the t-rex yeah attack. oh i haven't seen oh, the t-rex the one attack. yeah that, it's it's really good it's really fun it's the same it's yeah oh it's the wow. same animator who did the raptors in the kitchen so it's it's like oh it's wow. very cool to see what it was originally going to look like yeah what, what they yeah. planned on doing uh <laughs> before they moved into cg and then then these um these um computer uh animators were uh brought this this concept to steven spielberg and was like look what we can do with this and showed him the scene uh with the gallimimus running Mm -hmm. and being attacked by the t-rex and he was like wow this is so unbelievable and so they went with that but they still used the stop motion techniques to get the dinosaurs to move properly and the way that they did that was they had a, a stop motion armature that was connected to the computer and they would move it little by little the way that you would do with stop motion and it recorded it into the computer as the movements of the digital model yes and i think that is so cool that that even though this is a leap forward in technology we're still using the same tools and stuff that was uh you know used by harryhausen for decades beforehand and for all you young people out there who don't understand why this jump to CG was such a huge deal, um, you have to remember that there had never been before this movie. It's hard to believe nowadays there had never been a living creature created to look like it was a living, breathing creature mm-hmm. via CG in a film before this movie came out. Yes, computer generation had been used for, uh, say, the T-1000 and T-2 and the creature in the abyss. And there's a uh, stained glass window creature from a young Sherlock Holmes Mm -hmm. movie. Um, But those were it. That's all they had. So the reason why it was such a huge deal when they brought him this this footage of it, it was it was it wasn't even gallimimus it was literally gallimimus skeletons right it wasn't even like they're actual like breathing like skin over them 
and it was just so smooth and it looked so if you watch the special features i think you, all the blu-ray releases have this special feature uh it was it was originally on the d uh, the vhs set from the 90s uh was where this special feature came from uh they show they actually show the footage the first footage of the gallimimus running and it's just skeleton it's just kind of running in a black void there's no like background or anything mm-hmm. uh and it impressed steven spielberg so much he asked them to do something in an environment and that's when he they came to him with a fully skinned tyrannosaur walking through like under some trees like in a field and it just like that from that moment like and that's where the famous line in the movie where uh you know uh uh ian and uh they're all walking up the steps and it's like don't you think you'll be out of a job and Mm -hmm. then ian says don't you mean extinct was actually a direct line from phil tippett Mm uh (laughs) he said that and they brought it into the movie because they thought it was so perfect yeah um it's 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 insane the whole the whole thing like you said the armature for the stop motion of the cg creatures it definitely helps with that transition. I feel like of going from a stop motion creature to the CG animated creature and that coupled with, of course, Stan Winston's mind boggling animatronics. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Which are like, they deserve their own topic, honestly. Um, it's just, it's insane. That's, that's what makes the special effects of this movie stand up today. It's a, it's like a combination of like a perfect storm of, they were still using the armature, like they were using these amazing animatronics for most of the shots. Like they only use CG when they had to, you know. It's 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 crazy. This 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 movie is a perfect storm, as I said. Yeah, and I actually have the the um, uh, at least from IMDb the the minutes on how much dinosaur footage there is in this movie, which is amazing. Every time I hear this, because I've heard this fact before, there is. 15 minutes of dinosaur footage in this movie total nine minutes are the animatronics and six minutes is industrial light and magic cgi that is mind-boggling because i you just always imagine that this movie is wall-to-wall dinosaurs it's like you're just because that's the thing that sticks out in your mind the most but it was they've only they were only on screen for 15 minutes (laughs) yeah I think it's always because because this movie does not waste any time getting started. It, well, within like the first few minutes of the film, we already have a raptor attack, which I always thought was like because I it, it feels like the T Rex is supposed to be the looming threat throughout this movie, mm-hmm. but yeah. really wouldn't it be the raptor because the raptor is the first thing we're greeted with in the movie. So you, you already are familiar with the fact that there are dangerous animals on this Island. And I never could parse out whether or not the T-Rex was supposed to be the threat that was supposed to be in the back of your mind, the whole movie, or if it was the Raptor, well, it's, or if it was, it switches back and forth. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's one thing that the movie does really, really well. Um, is that it, 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 it knows that the Raptors are things that people really don't know about general audience members back believe it or not, in 1993, had no idea what a Velociraptor was. Mm-hmm. So uh, introducing them and, and making them this scary threat at the beginning makes them that looming threat in the background. But they're very, very smart because when they get to the park, you see that they're in a like advanced paddock on their own. There's no way that they're going to get out. We're safe from the Velociraptors. And then we get our big T-Rex 
part of the film where we get the big T-Rex attack and then the T-Rex is kind of stalking Alan and the kids throughout the rest of the movie. Uh, and then finally, at the end of the film, when the T-Rex isn't the threat anymore, they've gotten away from the T-Rex, that's when we get the reveal that the raptors are, have escaped. So like the movie is very good at like shifting that threat mm-hmm. in the middle of the movie because we literally see we, we don't know what the raptors are going to do like we have no idea what they're going to do when they get out we know they're scary from alan's description and how scary you know how like uh, uh the mood is set when he when he's talking about the raptors right right but it but then the t-rex sequence directly shows you how big of a threat the t-rex is so you know like oh god this thing if it gets a hold of them they're dead like, yeah. you know, there's no chance. So and then you get the Raptors at the end and then we finally get payoff for the we get that reintegration of the Raptors, I guess is the way to say mm-hmm. it. If you're talking script terminology, you get yeah. that reintegration back at the end and then they become the only thing you're thinking about, which is also what makes the very, very end of the movie when the Rex shows back up so effective because you are so focused on the Raptors. You're not even thinking where the T-Rex is at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. You're like, yeah. he's out of your mind. You don't even think about him. And yeah, then he I'm shows not, up. <laughs> I was not even when I watch I when I watched this movie early on in my younger life, in my younger life watching it, like I always forget that the T-Rex shows up at the end. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I know that a lot of fans of this movie don't, there are fans out there that don't like the way this movie ends. Like he, they say that the T-Rex shows up out of nowhere. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, it's also kind of weird that it's like and, the, the T-Rex every time it takes a step, makes the boom booms down and then all of a sudden it sneaks into this building with no one noticing <laughs> Look, yeah as yeah, giant exactly. monster fans specifically we have to ignore that because godzilla only makes stomps when he needs to right in any exactly. godzilla movie oh no no like i i know that is a complaint that people have i oh, it, is. it has stealth, never yeah. bothered me because it's the like stealth t-rex yeah because yeah. <laughs> i'm like i love it i love that the t-rex just shows up out of nowhere yeah it's yeah, him him showing up out of nowhere with no no like, it it's kind of honestly it's it's what Steven Spielberg did with Jaws to a certain extent, um where towards the end of the movie when they're on the boat and they're finally like fighting uh, the shark, uh there's a lot of times that uh, John Williams and Steven Spielberg play with the anticipation of the shark, mm-hmm. like where every time we've seen the shark since the beginning of the movie his theme plays when he's, when he's about to show up Mm -hmm. and then suddenly towards the, towards the boat, uh, the orca stuff, they suddenly start breaking that rule and Mm -hmm. it throws you for a loop and makes you not sure when the shark's going to show back up because the instant that he, uh, he shows up without the music, not without the music playing, uh, you automatically are like, wait, Oh no, there's no rules anymore. Oh God. Yeah. What's happening now? Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing here. Like we saw the T-Rex make this big entrance at the beginning and then we play with the fact that he sometimes makes the stomps, sometimes he doesn't. Like when he shows up before the Jeep attack, he stomps and you hear him coming. But then when he shows up to kill the Gallimimus, you don't hear him at all. Right. So it's which, kind of the which same is thing. kind of neat I like that that's foreshadowing. That heart- <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I was I, I was going to say I like to think that Alan and their heart and their pulse was pumping so hard that they just couldn't feel the T-Rex steps. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you can, yeah. you can no prize it for sure. <laughs> you can no prize it for sure. Um, uh, it's interesting because that scene at the end was not even an originally in the script The the, it was not, no, yeah. they did not intend yeah. for the T-Rex to show back up, but it was, a, it was a, just the Raptors and they got killed by the fossils. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but then uh, um, uh, Steven Spielberg said that he thought that having the uh, having the T-Rex not show back up at least one more time at the end would be a disservice because the T-Rex, you know, was so good in the movie was was turning yeah. out so well. So he put that scene in and that's that's it was just an excuse to show the t-rex and it was and it was scary from the from the computer generation side of it because there's a single shot uh where the t-rex is like inches away from the camera Mm -hmm. uh and they were extremely worried that the uh the cg just would not be detailed enough that when the when the T-Rex got too close to the camera you'd like it would break your imagination of it. Right. Uh it turned out that it was okay, but like that that was something that like whenever Steven Spielberg like re-envisioned the ending, the the, the computer generation artists were like freaking out. Mm-hmm. Like they were like no 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 you can't do that. Yeah. It's like yeah, um how are we going to how are we going to do this? Um so let's let's talk about some now we we of course have sung the praises of this movie um for good reason we love this movie but let's talk about some negatives for this movie um i'll start us off by saying as an adult watching this movie you really kind of realize how one-dimensional a lot of the characters are um i think i think alan grant is a really good character i think he's he's a very you know uh three-dimensional character i think um um uh, Laura Dern's character is is pretty good and, and pretty three-dimensional but a lot of the other characters are very one note yeah I, I would definitely agree with that there, I mean a lot of the characters uh, outside of Alan and, uh, and and Ellie are really just there to service the the, star- the story um, almost to a to a, like a tropey kind of level mm-hmm. um, but I mean that's not necessarily a bad thing overall but yeah i definitely like if you're if you're looking at this as a script and like what characters have like arcs throughout the film and stuff like that like the only one really is alan with his uh you know his hate, mm-hmm. hatred of kids uh that's really the only arc for any of these characters right. um yeah i i 100% agree with that yeah yeah um is there any other negatives Probably one of guys... my dislikes is yeah I was just going to say that one of my negatives is the, the blood sucking lawyer didn't get eaten sooner. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, he was he terrible lawyer joke pretty there for you. quickly. <laughs> I, uh, so a lot of my dislikes are very personal to me because of the book, which I know we're going to have a whole section in a second talking about the differences. Cause there's quite oh, a bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, so I, I think that there's, there are some sequences from the book that I would have really liked to see on film that got cut. Um, and I'll go into more specifics when we're talking about the differences, but I think that's one of my biggest things. Uh, another thing that I will say, um, and I know it's blasphemy, but some of the CG has not aged quite as much as our brains wants you to think the brachiosaurus Ooh, the brachiosaurus is rough yeah it's really the only one that really stands out because most of the other ones like the t-rex is in the rain and the dark uh most of the time uh and even when it's in the bright light it looks fine uh but like the the brachiosaur at the very beginning like the lighting doesn't match it at all um like there's there's just some 
some shots that like really when you're watching it as of right now like in 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 you know 2020 if you're watching it now you can really see like oh yeah this is very early cg yeah um yeah the that's not one that's not negative but it's eh. yeah the one that jumps out <laughs> to still me better cg than godzilla 1998 some sometimes g98 I, i'm gonna say something here g98 actually <laughs> has some really good cg moments in it yes it does not all of it but some of it is actually really good. Yes. Like, <laughs> uh, that is one thing. Like, as much as we want to hate on it, uh, G98 has some good CG at times. Um, one of the things uh, that jumps out to me as like a... Just a, don't watch it in 4K. Uh, don't watch it in 4K. Yeah, right, definitely don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. <laughs> um, one of the things that jumps out to me, one of the scenes in Jurassic Park that jumps out to me is uh, the Brachiosaurus when they are in the tree. Um, the, when it, when it goes to actually sneeze on them, it's, uh, (laughs) it's so clearly like really, it looks so different. Yeah. (laughs) Like the, cause the, the majority of that sequence is an amazing Brachiosaur animatronic by Stan Winston. Mm -hmm. And then it cuts to, yeah, the Brachiosaur like pulling its head back and sneezing. And it looks like the most cartoony thing like yeah. <laughs> in the world it does not look realistic at all yeah um for yeah. some reason boy though <laughs> yeah it's yeah. uh uh-huh. and then yeah and then so what another small thing re- related to that um and it's caused a, actually a ruckus in the jurassic park community uh come jurassic world and fallen kingdom um so as great as they look and as long if you're not looking into it too much, like you won't notice this, but there is a very, very big difference between some of the animatronics and some of the CG models. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. Now, it's understandable why that is. Once again, this is revolutionary CGI. It's not like later on where they would make a model, a physical model of a thing, and then scan it into the computer and it would be one to one and look exact. No, they had to had to do a lot of like tricks and things to make things look right. Um so later on like in jurassic world for instance uh there was a big controversy with the t-rex because the t-rex in jurassic world is supposed to be the same t-rex we see here on isla nublar Mm -hmm. uh and the design that they took the t-rex from jurassic world off of was the cgi model from jurassic park the animatronic which is the more iconic one that we see in our heads when we think of the t-rex in this movie Mm -hmm. was not used and the t-rex the animatronic t-rex has a lot more bulk to it Mm -hmm. um and so it just looked weird yeah it's Um, a lot more barrel chested exactly yeah so it it looks weird whenever they took the cgi model as the example and then used it in uh, jurassic world uh, it just didn't match up with what our brains remember of the original T-Rex looking. Right. So like sometimes the differences between the animatronics and the, the CGI models is noticeable if you're really paying attention. But if you're just watching this movie as entertainment value, you're never going to notice it. But that's just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it is fan. there. It is definitely yeah, I, there. You know, and one of the and one of the dislikes, I think I and I, and this is a dislike after the fact knowing how many liberties they took with the actual dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you know that now, cause I was having this discussion with Henry the other day, cause he's huge into dinosaurs and he yeah. was, and I, I told him this episode was coming up. So of course he has to rattle off all of his knowledge at one time, just oh, yeah. as, as Henry is known to do. <laughs> um, but you know, 
and I knew some of this stuff before, like the Velo- uh, not Velociraptor, the Dilophosaurus does not have a frill and does not spit uh, venomous uh, tar at people. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, the Dilophosaurus is about twelve feet tall, uh, fully right. grown. Yeah, uh, and Velociraptors <laughs> aren't that big. Right. Well, so here's here's a trick with Velociraptors. A lot of people uh, he might already know this, but I, I, he might not. Uh, if you don't know this, uh, just a little fun factoid. So back in the day so back when the book was written and when this movie was still going out there were two count them two forms of velociraptor velociraptor uh mongoliensis which are actually the traditional velociraptors that you know that don't match this at all which are like the the chicken sized uh velociraptors Mm -hmm. uh and then there's velociraptor antirhopus now what velociraptor antirhopus is is actually deinonychus but for a short period of time in the late 80s and early 90s, they actually renamed Deinonychus Velociraptor. And so technically, when the first okay. movie was made, these were close to the correct size. They're still a little too big, but they were very close to the correct size. Right. Yeah. There was a it was a thing where it was a thing where Velociraptor was um, a a it was almost like there was a it was a species or not a species, but a genus is what Velociraptor. So there was like multiple dinosaurs that could be considered Velociraptor because it it represented a larger group, but then now they've narrowed it down to one specific species. Yeah, And they've they've separated the other ones to be their own thing at this point. Yeah. I was just going to say that T-Rex is not actually blind. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) Only since movement. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not a real thing. Uh, no, yeah. no. Uh, uh, T Rex apparently, from what I from what I've been reading up on T Rex, uh, he apparently has eagle eye vision. Oh uh, yeah, no, t- he's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyrannosaurus uh, had had forward facing eyes, which was very very rare, uh, and it basically meant that they have like they can see the same like view as like a human can. So they have. Uh, 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 What's the vision to the side of your eyes? What's the peripheral? Thank you. Yeah, they have peripheral vision, and yes, yeah, they're they're uh, judging from the brain cavity and everything like that. Not only is their sense of smell insane, like they can smell things like ten miles away or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they can they can like see things in full clarity, like within like three miles or something like that. It's insane yeah so it's like a shark with blood in the water absolutely yeah on land (laughs) yeah Uh, and i wanted to go back to what you were talking about earlier about how um when this movie came out uh audiences you know could have been or may have been familiar with a t-rex because you know you can go to a museum and see a t-rex skeleton but uh you cannot or at the time you couldn't go to a museum and see some, see a velociraptor the way that they are in this movie. So this was completely yeah. new. And, and when I was doing research, uh, the, there is a thing called a Utah Raptor, yes. um, which, which was also discovered around the same time. Yeah. Right. Which, which looks like the more, or at least closer to what the velociraptors in this movie do, but it was not discovered until right around the time the movie was actually coming out, which means the movie had already been written and done. So it's like and the book was already written too. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. um, uh, Michael Crichton actually made a joke that we, we wrote, we wrote it. And then they discovered it. <laughs> so it was like almost like they willed it into existence. Um, but right. yeah, but that is, it is, it is interesting that Velociraptors would have been a thing that you would not have 
any kind of reference to. Uh, whereas with a T Rex, you would have. You were like, oh yeah, I remember seeing a T Rex. Everyone skeleton. knows T Rex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The Dilophosaurus. One little fun fact that I thought was really interesting about the Dilophosaurus. Again, you know, not it, it definitely doesn't fit what a real no. Dilophosaurus looked like. Um, but that you never actually see the Dilophosaurus run in the movie or walk. And it was because they couldn't get the, the movement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't get the movement to work in the puppet. And so they said, instead of trying to make it look, you know, weird and, and, you know, unrealistic, they just decided to show it kind of moving off camera. And, yeah, absolutely. Which made yeah, it I, more scary. <laughs> Yeah, you only see, like, I think the only scene that you actually see of it moving, like, physically on camera is you see it come into frame from the top of frame and then bounce off to the left. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the only scene, because every other scene, it's either from the Dilophosaurus perspective, where it's, like, moving through the foliage, or, like, yeah, Nedry just turns around and it's suddenly next to him, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's really interesting. Um Let's talk about, I want to talk about the sound design and the music in this movie. Sure. Because that is, when I think of this movie, some of the things that pop into my head to begin with is, of course, the John Williams score, because, you know, that is obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but also the sounds, the sounds of the dinosaurs. And, and, yes. and like, the T-Rex roar has become so iconic that it just feels like oh, if I yeah. hear a different roar for a T-Rex in like a different movie, it feels weird. Cause it's like, that's not what a T-Rex it doesn't feel right. Like. Yep. Yeah. Like, 100%. <laughs> but that's, we don't know what a T-Rex sounds like. It's just that this movie is so ingrained in my head that it's like, this is what a T-Rex is supposed to sound like. Uh-huh. So hundred um, percent. Yeah. What do you guys, uh, do you guys have anything to say about that? Uh, well, I just think it's, I yeah. just think it's interesting that the, I was watching a video on this today, actually, and they was going through the sound design for the T-Rex roar. And I didn't know, at least I didn't think I knew that the, the high pitch frequencies of that roar was actually a baby elephant. Yes. Mm -hmm. I thought that they used, (laughs) I thought they used a lion pretty much for the majority of that roar, but it's actually a baby elephant. And I really thought that was, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the the sound design for all of the creatures, but yeah, the T Rex specifically is it's it's crazy because I think it's the first time that I ever realized that sound design can be such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I, I think I think like the fact that they like combined so many different things for each creature, like the Velociraptor has dolphin in it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like it's 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 just crazy of like all the different things that they put in there, and now like knowing that that's you know kind of standard nowadays like you know thinking about like legendary godzilla's roar and all the stuff that went into creating that and like how it's like a freight train mixed with like scraping metal mixed with like this weird stuff that you would never think like sure let's make a roar out of that um i think this movie is what made me kind of first aware that that's how that worked Mm -hmm. uh and uh yeah like you were saying with the t-rex roar i think that's something that's like it's so iconic that yeah, it made it so that anytime you hear a roar, that's even just slightly off. Like even in the own franchise, like once again, Jurassic World, they only mm-hmm. used one sound bite for the T-Rex roar when we heard so many different ones in this movie and in Lost World. Mm-hmm. And so it's very strange when you're watching Jurassic World and they use the only one roar and you're like, well, but there were so many other different ones. And that's not even the most right. iconic one from the original yeah. Jurassic Park. Why didn't you use right. the big one? Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it gets yeah. annoying. Yeah, it's it's interesting. 
Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's move on to talking because we're, we're all, uh, pushing two hours now. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to talking about the book. Uh, so Jurassic Park was a, is a book was a book before it became a movie. Um, yes. The book was actually not published when they sold the rights to make the movie. They had not even published it yet. Um, uh, Michael Crichton had um, optioned it as he was finishing it um, before it went to publish. Uh, so it is, that's kind of interesting that, you know, the, the book, you know, was actually, the movie started, it became, uh, started the process of making the movie before the book even actually fully came out. Um, I have not yeah. read the book. I have tried a few times in my life and have never been able to get very far into it. And I think it's because, Michael, kind of like the same thing with you with Super Sentai. Um, I'm so I have such nostalgia for the movie that anything that is like close to it but not quite right feels wrong, feels yeah. off, and I I struggle to get into it. So so that's why I haven't really read the I haven't been able to read the book. Um, but you guys have. So I want to leave yes. this up to the two of you guys. I'm going to yeah. step back and let you guys talk about the differences between the book and the movie and everything like that. Now it has, let me be fair here. It has been many years since I've read the actual book. So Kyle's probably going to be. the better <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, I've read the book. I think I read the book uh, about uh, two years ago, maybe, maybe a year ago. It, it, it hasn't been that long. Um, I haven't read the book probably in 10 years. Yeah. So I, I, okay. I love the book to death. Um, I, I, you know, so once again, I saw Jurassic park, the movie when I was a little bit of kid, uh, but I probably read that the book. I probably read the book. Uh, I was, I was a very advanced reader when I was a kid. So I probably read the book when I was like probably six or seven. So it wasn't too long after the movie that I actually read through the first book. Um, and, uh, the biggest things, okay. Biggest differences with the book. First of all, um, the book is written as a book. And when I say it that way, I mean, there's a lot of just like extraneous material that obviously would never be brought into any sort of adaption. So there's a lot of exposition, exposition. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. talks about, uh, you know, what biotechnology was like in the early eighties. You know, there's a lot of like, really like there's, there's chapters and chapters and chapters that have nothing to do with the actual full on plot of Jurassic park. Uh, so that's one of the biggest differences. Uh, is that stuff interesting? If you're kind of interested in this whole idea of cloning dinosaurs, yeah, it is because it's very like it's really kind of takes you back to what it was like in the 80s for this kind of technology even starting to. Yeah. And exist. I remember one thing about the book is they go and explain the reason why T-Rex is blind is it, he's blind because of the frog DNA. Yes, exactly. Um, which then gets retroactively gotten rid of in Lost World, the book, uh, which is a very fun scene in Lost World, the book. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so um some of the biggest differences, uh, compies are in this, uh, in the book. Uh, so the compies, AKA the little green bouncing dinosaur size of chickens in lost world yeah. are in this first story. Uh, it, uh, attacks a kid in Costa Rica, which starts this whole plot line of dinosaurs escaping the Island, which is completely non-existent in the movie. Um, but it does show up in lost in the lost world. It does show up in lost soon. world. Yes, yeah. exactly. They just cop, they just reused it. Um, 
there is uh like i said there's a lot of a lot of the plot of the book really falls into dinosaurs escaping the island uh they go into really cool detail about uh like in the movie they kind of just throw in that the raptors are breeding as like a small little fun nod to the book almost whereas in the book it's like an actual huge like scene where ian proves that like almost all of the dinosaurs on the island have been breeding at this point and like the it's it's a fun sequence where uh the control room for the park has only been entering what they cloned as the number of dinosaurs that should be counted Mm -hmm. uh and so the computer was never looking for anything more than that when they entered that number in because that's how the program worked so they put in like an extremely high number and they're like it comes back with an error and they're like oh (laughs) look you're a fool and then immediately it starts a printout and it shows you like exactly which dinosaurs have been breeding and like how many extras there are like velociraptors there's like 25 more velociraptors on the island that nobody knows about uh that were already in the wild uh and like there's it's just crazy but anyway um so some of the big sequences and this is one that a couple of these are the ones that i really wish that had been in the movie um is there's an awesome sequence with the tyrannosaur uh, chasing uh, Grant and the kids down a river. Um, it's a really fun sequence. Like he's swimming in the river. Uh, it's it's definitely the inspiration for the Universal ride, uh, where he's like he's like coming out of the water and like they go over a waterfall at one point and the Rex is down at the bottom of the waterfall waiting to eat them and like it, it's a really fun sequence. Um, they could have pulled that off today though. They like, could do that in, today, it, but with that, modern <laughs> CGI technology, that would have, they could have easily pulled that off but back in 93. That's but, why they yeah. cut it. Yeah. That's absolutely why they cut it is they were like, uh, that's a little much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, another thing. Uh, so there's a lot of just like little tiny differences. Like for instance, instead of there just being one T-Rex, there's actually two. There's a juvenile, not, not like juvenile in the sense of lost world, but like actual like teenager. Uh, and then there's the big adult Rex. Um, the characters are very, very different from their movie counterparts for the most part. Uh, a lot more of them die in the book. <laughs> um, uh, Henry Wu dies, uh, in the book. Um, Gennaro still dies. No, Gennaro lives. Gennaro lives. Uh, a different character called Ed Regis gets killed by the Rex. Um, Ian Malcolm technically dies in the book. Um, they they hint that he has died. They don't. They never like show him die. But in the at the beginning of the Lost World book, they give like a one line excuse of like, "Oh, the doctors did wonders and brought me back to life." And that's <laughs> that's like how Michael Crichton wrote himself out of the hole that he was in. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's very different. I guess I guess it's the best way to say it. There's there's a lot of little tiny things. There's a lot of really big things. I, I don't think that either hurt one another. Like I don't think that the book hurts the movie in any way shape or form like yes it brings up some stuff that i would have liked to see uh and i do actually really think that like if jurassic park died for a little while i think we could see like a director or someone make a like an honest like really on point uh like straight from the novel to like a netflix show or something mm-hmm. uh yeah, i could yeah i could see that uh now would you say that that the book is a good com- is more like a good companion piece to the movie where it it explains some things yeah. that 
that maybe get glossed over in the movie. Would you say that? Is yeah, there... I think so. Cause, uh, cause it also explains like the, the triceratops being sick, like movie never explains it. The book does. Um, I mean, it's just implied that it's foliage, some kind of, uh, yeah. it's, um, well, it's uh, the berries, right? It's the, yeah. um, uh, West Indian, West Indian lilac. lilac. Yeah. Yes, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they say that. And then like, she like kind of just walks away kind of muttering to herself trying to figure it out whereas in the book there's a big revelation about what is causing it and how it's making this the creature sick yeah and now Um, one of the big differences between the book and the movie that i'm that i'm aware of and that i think is really interesting is um richard attenborough's character uh yes um hammond that in the book he was more morally bankrupt because he was kind of yeah. more focused on money and everything, even to the point of willing to sacrifice his own grandkids to save the park and save his like, yeah. bottom line. Um, whereas, and and I'm and I'm glad yes. that the movie didn't go that route because I don't think you could make Richard Attenborough a bad guy. Because my goodness, no. that man is so was so lovable. <laughs> oh, he was Absolutely. the most lovable old man. Yeah. I love him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I mean, he gets his comeuppance in the book too. Hammond mm-hmm. dies in the book uh, from Compies, uh, but uh, yeah, which they, once again they stole that sequence to be uh, in Lost World, the movie as well with uh, with the what's his name, the guy with killed. the Walkman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, one thing I will mention because I don't know if I'll be on the Lost World uh, thing with you guys, but I will say this: of the two books. The one I would actually suggest to read is The Lost World because it is, I would say, 95% different from the movie. Oh, like wow. the book is very different from the movie. It's completely different. There's a lot more focus on the raptors. Uh, like uh, it's a lot about the like the how the island is too small. The, the second island is too small for the dinosaurs to live. So we're literally seeing another extinction event of the dinosaurs. Uh, like it, there's, there's so much different. The carnotaurs are in there and they cloak and it's amazing. And it's a cool sequence. Uh, there's just so much in the, in the lost world. So if you, yeah, if you I have were, the original printing from like nine, I pulled it off my shelf here. It's like the one from like 1995, I think. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the, all the pages are yellow now and it's got the, that really, uh, iconic red cover on it. So. Yes, yes, yeah. Nice. But wouldn't you agree though? That one is so different. Like it's it's worth reading that. Oh one. yeah, it's worth reading. It's definitely worth reading. I remember uh, I remember reading this one and thinking this is this is not the movie. See, I've had I I have struggled so hard to read um, Jurassic Park every time I've tried to read it that I've never actually even tried to read The Lost World. So I I might need to just skip Jurassic Park and go straight to The Lost World and yeah, read that give it one. A shot. <laughs> give it a shot it's so different that it makes it makes it interesting because it makes you wonder like how much like it's it's weird how little steven spielberg pulled from the lost world even though he's the one that demanded michael Crichton write the sequel You're right uh yeah he's like we so, need a sequel to this movie so can you write it and then he writes it and he's like uh i'm gonna do a different thing <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go this way instead of that way is that cool cool yeah. uh, <laughs> oh man but yeah so that that is really interesting and so i'm glad that we could talk about that because um if anybody is like me and hasn't read these books um if you're interested in it this gives them an idea of what to expect when they're going into the books so i like yeah. that um, yeah, they're still being printed. You can still find Lost oh, World yeah. and Jurassic Park at Barnes and Noble, mm-hmm. Books a Million, just wherever. I mean, that is actually on. the edition I was going to suggest. Uh, Barnes and Noble has a leather bound 
two two pack of of Jurassic Park and Lost World. It's awesome. Uh, it's just very, side very cool. note, I books, love uh, those my Barnes local and Nobles. Million has that one all, as well. Oh yeah, the Barnes and Noble re those leather bound ones that they've done. They've done like Dracula and a bunch mm -hmm. of like old I, classics I own a couple as well. of them. Uh, yeah, they're very cool. I own um uh. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and other classic novels by Jules Verne. I have the complete Sherlock Holmes with gold leafing and I have um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and the other Douglas Adams stories uh, all um, on my shelf yeah. right now. So yeah, yeah, I love those leather bound. Um, yeah. So go for that set. If you're interested, just go for that that dual pack and uh, it'll look nice on your shelf. <laughs> yeah, it is true. Well, um, Let's uh let's go ahead and move on and give our uh, final thoughts and our Godzuki score. So the way this works, uh, Kyle, if you're not aware, is we like to rate our movies out of five Godzukis instead of five stars because uh, we like to embrace the silly side of monster movies or dinosaur <laughs> movies uh, by paying homage to the great Godzuki and using him as our yardstick for uh, these movies. Um, so we can give um, our rating of, you know, out of five Godzukis. And then we can also give, you know, our final thoughts, you know, just like our closing statement on the movie. Um, so out of uh, five Godzukis, um, <laughs> how many Godzukis would you give Jurassic Park from 1993? Uh, Kyle, let's start with you. I will give it uh, a very, very good 4.75 out of 5 Godzukis. <laughs> uh, I, I think that, as, as final thoughts, uh, you know, kind of, I think we're going to kind of echo each other a little bit here. Mm -hmm. But it, 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 it is, it's an amazing classic film. It really, really is. It's, it's definitely one of those films that, uh, you know, hasn't aged very much at all. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of that is due to like once again, like the amazing special effects work by Stan Winston and ILM. Uh, you know, there's the, the the characters may be a little one note, and there may be some stuff that is more apparent now. Uh, looking back on it, you know, in in 2020 to 19, 1993, like there's just some stuff that sticks out a little bit, uh, which is why I took away that little bit of score, making making it not perfect. Uh, but uh, it, it's still a very good film. Uh, you know, I I. It's it's because it is always on TV when we were doing Thanksgiving. It's my Thanksgiving tradition to always watch Jurassic Park. Uh, so, uh, you know, I watch it every year. Um, I, I don't imagine that I will ever stop watching Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a classic. It deserves to be seen by everyone, uh, including people who are young. Like, I, I really think that, like, this is a movie that can stand that test of time and be shown to mm -hmm. people nowadays. So, yeah. Um, so uh, four Godzukis and one Godzuki without a head. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> one decapitated Godzuki. <laughs> um, so, Michael, uh, do you want to give your Godzuki score and your final thoughts? Well, yeah, because I embrace the fact that nostalgia plays a huge part in some of these movies and television shows I watch. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it a perfect score. I do think it has its issues, obviously. And I think actually, uh, Kyle, I think a four, 4.7, 4.75 is fair, but given the fact that I have so much love for this film in general, it has to have a perfect score for me. Um, yes, I agree. The characters are one, mo one note. You can point out some of the flaws in the CGI. Um, but really I don't care. 
I, 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 I literally, I literally don't care with this one. Honestly, I can, I'll, this is one of the films that I will just not nitpick at all just because I don't want to ruin my experience uh, because I have so much love and so much nostalgia and so many good memories surrounding this movie. Um, and obviously anyone who is interested in dinosaurs period should watch this movie. This is probably the OG uh, of dinosaur films, at least in the modern era, uh, neglecting some of the Harryhausen stuff. But honestly, I just don't know what else to say with this, except I'm going to pull or uh, I'm going to go from left field here and just say that this is more of a kaiju film than Clifford the Big Red Dog. No. Um, <laughs> you know, people have tweeted me and he, after last week's episode hey. and said that they support my side of the argument. Hashtag Clifford is a kaiju. That's all I'm going to say. And, and OK, so here's my reasoning. Here's my reasoning. Because these are genetically engineered dinosaurs with, an, with yes. that are merged with amphibians. That makes them weirder and stranger yes. than a giant puppy. Uh, Clifford I, I, is I, ten stories tall, is magical, <laughs> and is stained with the blood of his enemies. He is a kaiju. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, <laughs> no, but you, Michael, you're 100 percent right on that. That was an argument that yeah. Coleman made back in the day. Yeah, and I, I, I agree, especially, especially if you take the sequels into consideration with, you know, the uh, the uh, uh, Indominus and even the Spinosaurus, which is heavily genetically modified mm-hmm. uh, to be as big as it and is. The, and we can't forget the Indoraptor. Uh, and the Indoraptor, yes, as well. So, like, yeah, they are genetic. As as Alan says in Jurassic Park three, the only good quote from that movie uh, is, uh, you know, these are genetically engineered monsters or theme park monsters, not dinosaurs. Uh, as much as they are the most realistic dinosaurs we had ever seen in 1993. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, one of the things, and I didn't even mention it, but one of the things that I read when I was uh, looking at, you know the behind the scenes stuff was uh, they added little things, which, which is another thing that they got from Harryhausen was they added little things like the tail flicks and, and little, like the, sometimes the, the dinosaurs will scratch or something that's like, it has no narrative purpose other than to make it seem more like, a Oh yeah. Thing. And yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's neat. Cause Harryhausen used to do that. He would put little, just little idiosyncrasies into his creatures to make them uh, feel alive. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was a, a neat little thing that I read too. Um, my Godzuki score, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be just like uh, Michael. I'm giving it a perfect score, a uh, five out of five. Um, when I score movies, uh, when I, especially when I when I'm thinking considering giving something a perfect score, I tend to look at is there anything in the movie I would change. Yeah, that's like my final like I there's a lot of things I, I you know look at, but that is my final bottom line thing of like, is there anything I would change in a movie? And even though I and and like Michael said, Kyle, your score is absolutely fair. There are a lot of things that can be pointed to and be like, yeah, that's not that doesn't hold up as well as we remember. There's a lot of nostalgia that goes into into enjoying the film. Even with all of those things that are not quite right. I still wouldn't change anything because that's what makes Jurassic Park Jurassic Park. That that is even though it's like yeah the characters are not that great, yeah the CGI in some places don't doesn't hold up as well and the and the models don't match with the the uh, animatronics, but without those little those little tiny details in this movie, it wouldn't be Jurassic Park. That it it gives the movie personality, I think, and I think that just adds to it um 
so for me, this is this is a perfect movie. I don't th- I, there's nothing I would change about it. Um, I enjoy it, and just like you guys, I mean, it's Jurassic Park. Everybody knows Jurassic Park is the dinosaur movie, <laughs> and yeah. nothing compares to the magic and wonder that you feel when you watch this movie. Um, and there's a reason why it is the most popular movie that Steven Spielberg has ever made. Uh, so yeah, uh, th- maybe uh, maybe Steven Spielberg. Maybe Steven Spielberg should have cast Clifford to play the goat. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we need a T-Rex versus Clifford scene. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That is going to close the book on Jurassic Park uh, for at least for the time being until we come back and do the sequels uh, on another episode. Um, So... Uh, before we get into the last little bit of the episode, giving out all of our plugs and everything, I'm going to ask the trivia question that hints to the episode that we're doing next week. So the trivia question is two years after starring in Blade Runner, Sean Young starred in what dinosaur movie produced by Disney? Mm. Uh, so that should narrow it down to the right answer because it's two years after Blade Runner. Stars Sean Young and produced by Disney. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's going to be an interesting one because I have not seen that movie since I was an EBD little kid. Uh, so I'm <laughs> excited. to. Yeah, play. me either. And we're going to have a special guest for that episode as well. We're going to be joined by Henry, the host from It Came From a Monster Movie podcast. Mm-hmm. So that one should. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Henry is a fun time. Uh, he's a fun guy to talk to. And so I'm I'm just looking forward to watching that movie again. I'm like you, Travis. I haven't seen that movie since I was a child. So mm-hmm. it's probably going to be a, a, a very long trip down memory lane. I haven't seen that movie since I was a baby. Um, hint, hint. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Okay, uh- <laughs> okay. I, got, I hear you. Uh- um, so, yeah. So to finish up this episode, I just want to say thank you, Kyle, for joining us uh, and and for being a part of the, yeah, the chaos that is Kaiju Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we enjoyed having you here for Dinosaur Month, um, which is actually Dinosaur <laughs> Two Weeks because we're only doing two three dinosaur or three weeks, three dinosaur movies. <laughs> it's, it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's Christmas. So, um, so do you want to give plugs to your Twitter, your podcast, your anything that you want to do? You have the floor to plug away. Sure. Uh, so, uh, at Tokyo lives cast is our Twitter. Uh, check us out. We're super active on there. We repost a bunch of art and of course, uh, get some discussions going about all the news that breaks. Uh, for instance, like I said, I, I post an article with those images from the legendary, uh, social media, uh, where they may be hinting at our trailer coming soon. Uh, but Tokyo lives podcast.com is our website, uh, Facebook Just search Tokyo lives. You'll find us on there pretty quickly. Uh, if you want to support our podcast, of course, go to patreon.com search Tokyo lives. Uh, we have a lot of cool reward tiers, uh, including, uh, if you are a patron for, more than uh, two months, our $15 patrons will get a exclusive t-shirt uh, every year. Uh, and I actually just sent out their exclusive t-shirts uh, yesterday. So that's really, really fun. Um, and uh, if you search on iTunes, you'll find Tokyo Liz on there as well. 
uh, leave us a review and we'll read it out on the cast as always. Uh, but uh, really appreciate uh, being on here. It was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys check out our podcast if you have not yet. Uh, we are... Our vote just ended just a little bit ago for our first episode of Fan Month in December. So the next episode we are doing is Q the Winged Serpent. Um, ah, man. And then <laughs> I was hoping for Carnosaur 2 because I, uh, I, that's the one I voted for. It there. It, they, they, so I, I just want to say this right now, though. This is the closest vote we have ever had oh, when nice. doing fan months. Every every movie was like within a single vote of each other by the end of this. So like it was very close. It came down to the wire. Monstrum was ahead yesterday. I think Carnosaur was ahead briefly for a split second yesterday as well. It just it was going. It just kept going. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah Carnosaur so was just up because I was sitting there clicking on the vote <laughs> button a bunch of times. <laughs> but yeah, uh, cue the winged serpent is is what we're doing next, and then we will have a uh, second fan month episode that will be done. Uh, you know, will be determined by the patrons, uh, and then after that, uh, we do of course uh, have Monster Hunter, which is coming out on Christmas, mm-hmm. and if that is going to be uh, available to be watched from home we will be covering that as a special report on christmas uh probably the day after christmas but uh, <laughs> you guys did an episode on uh, love and monsters too that was, we that did was just recently yeah. yeah that that movie was great if you have not checked out that movie yet it's, it's very very fun yeah so. we were going to do an episode on it but then i realized i am a poor uh i'm just a poor boy <laughs> um and so uh so i couldn't rent it or pay the money to to see it so i'm like oh wait a little while to to see it <laughs> so, well but yeah that's that's all my bumps uh yeah it was a lot of fun yeah and, and we enjoyed having you we will definitely have you back on the podcast and we definitely need to get uh we need to get all of the the uh tokyo lives hosts on we we need to get we need to get rob on to talk about uh jumborg ace and giant (laughs) (laughs) oh god talk about chaos oh boy (laughs) (laughs) and and cameron on we gotta get cameron on we gotta get all of them we gotta get all y'all on um but yeah it was a lot of fun we're so glad that you joined us and we also want to say a thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends um if you want to follow us on twitter we are at kaiju weekly and at kaiju groupie pod that's me and michael um all the links to our social media as well as for the kaiju groupie facebook group are listed in the description of this episode you can send questions comments or answers to trivia questions to our email kaijuweekly at gmail.com please please send us some emails because our mailbag is empty right now and when it gets empty and it gets hungry it gets angry so uh, we don't want to see we do not want to see the mailbag when it's angry. Um, so send us our, some emails, some some feedback. Uh, we also want to say a big thank you to Alex and Shijir for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, you can also support the Patreon, uh, the podcast at patreon.com slash Kaiju Weekly Pod and help me fulfill my lifelong dream of possibly going to Blobfest and getting to see the goo firsthand. Uh <laughs> I must see Zagoo. <laughs> you you always want you always want to see the goo, Travis. You always want to see the goo. It's it, I, I don't know what this new obsession with you about the goo is, but uh, if people out there want to help you see the goo, uh, they can support us on Patreon. But there's also one more way they can help support the podcast, and that's by leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. 
ex- tell us your gripes and your complaints about the podcast all you want to in the comment portion but just make it five stars worth and we promise we will read that feedback on a future episode and what that's going to do is that's going to put this show in front of other kaiju and tokusatsu fans just like you and also make sure to go and support Kaiju Ramen on uh, Kickstarter, because even though we have reached our goal, every bit of money that we make uh, over our goal is going towards future issues and future editions of the magazine and to pay artists and writers to work on the magazine for us so that we can continue uh, making great awesome kaiju content uh working with a lot of diverse and amazing people um in with you know to make this magazine come to fruition so definitely check it out you can go to kaiju ramen magazine.com uh there that is our website but there's also a link on that website to our kickstarter if you want to just go that direction um and yeah so uh to to uh close out this episode i'm gonna say help control the dinosaur population uh have your compies spayed or neutered oh what weren't they already spayed and neutered in the movie apparently yep. not they kept breeding well... <laughs> no they just put a bunch of females together and said oh they won't they won't uh do anything uh but that's not that's... Oh, life boy. uh life uh, 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 uh finds a way <laughs> <laughs>